0: When they are discharged, they actually tap into the uh, zero-point energy field.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: This is where most
1: of... It's very uh, disturbing and troubling that, uh, you know, our government is literally killing people who come up with planet-saving technologies.
2: exclamation point
1: Okay, okay. Okay, elect like me, President, we'll have free energy for all. I'm posting on Christopher Price's Facebook page. The power... We're going to pull state, a little bit. No moving parts
3: is the vacuum triode that's doing this very practical and historical work. He was shot at once with a silenced rifle from about 300 yards. The only thing saved his Fucking life sniper. Was, was an old guy and very feeble. He was stumbling as he coming up the steps and he fell down. Fucking he sick flint, fell down on the steps, caught his foot and fell right forward. And as his head went forward, the bullet went
4: right by where his head was. And of course, the assassin was never found. This guy called me up. He said, we really need your help. And I said, the only way you're gonna do this is that you disclose it, all of it. Open source it, get it out there. I will see that we get it out to the entire scientific community. He says, No, no, no. I, it's gone. My precious, my precious, my precious.
1: Let it go, fuckers. Hey,
4: you're you're going to take this to your grave. He took it to his yep. grave. It's the only way. has
1: gone. Let it go.
5: Very distraught lady. Release it, it to the wife. public saying, and
1: media immediately
5: and uh the, don't the, uh, ask the government for men fucking permission men showed up at about five o'clock the night before, Fuck the patent
1: office
5: and they stayed for a little while and then they left and sparky uh hour or two later having a cup of coffee and just killed over onto the floor called the ambulance and she was 75 years old They would not let her in the ambulance.
1: They killed him in the ambulance. the ambulance
5: then called her back about 20 minutes later and said, Probably ain't going to survive. And uh, that was the end of that. They fucking killed him. Until the next morning when she called my sister. Fuck that.
1: It's a rogue government. And
5: said, there are men here that said they're FBI. And they got black vans and they're taking all this equipment. What should I do? Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of Eyewitness Newsmakers. I'm your host, Doug Miller. On March the 23rd, chemists Stanley Pons and Martin Fleischman rocked the world of science. They announced that they had achieved cold fusion in their laboratory at the University of Utah. The promise of a cheap and a plentiful energy supply grabbed the world's attention.
4: It didn't put out a lot of power, but what was scary is that this in 1989, it made the, you know, cover of all the magazines. The way they took that avenue of discovery out of the scientific world is that there were people who were paid, who were corrupted through scientific fraud at MIT. Next slide. Dr. Eugene Malov, dear friend of mine, PhD, Harvard and MIT, brilliant man.
3: There was a man named Eugene Malov who, it's quite possible, was eliminated by the powers that be in the fossil fuel industry. He died in 2004. He was murdered that year. But Malov was an extremely important figure in the alternative energy world, especially in terms of what's
4: called cold fusion. And he was at MIT in the the science office for education when he saw how they had changed the data on the reproducing the pons Fleischmann experiment. And he blew the whistle.
6: Uh, I inadvertently was looking through some piles of paper that had been given to me in a casual manner by all these hot fusion physicists as they were trying to do their calorimetric uh, repeat of the pons fleischmann experiment. And to my utter astonishment, I can remember sitting at my desk in my study and actually seeing these two sheets of paper, one dated July 10th, 1989, and another dated July 13th, three days apart. The difference between July 10th and 13th was dramatic. And I was stunned. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It looked like monkey business to me at the time, and it has turned out to be exactly that. It was a lower echelon person, in the Plasma Fusion Center at MIT, one of the 16 authors of a scientific paper done under Department of Energy contract that had altered data. And that data is scientific fraud, as far as I'm concerned, and many other people are concerned. And it was, you
4: know, it was hell on will. Finally get someone who brings him a a zero point device, solid state, no moving parts. And I said, Jane, we need to get this out to the public very quickly. Oh no! They want to keep it secret. I begged, I begged him, and I begged him, and I begged him, and I begged him. He was beaten to death when he was over at his parents' home, and was killed, murdered. Yeah. Made to look like some thugs. Should they were, have told yeah, him. Thugs, but Should have told going him to you're gonna to you're
1: gonna fucking die if you don't release them. it immediately.
6: Good friend of mine.
1: We have we a friend. fucking rogue what he really government.
6: Had was a threat to the scientific establishment. The threat of it even being implied as real, having money, shall we say, be diverted from their favorite programs, and uh, that was a threat, no question, it was an actual threat of that happening.
7: U.S. scientists making a huge breakthrough, a source tells CNN that for the first time ever researchers have been able to create energy from a fusion reaction now laura i could explain all of this in great detail but but basically it's a giant step towards a clean energy future without dependence on fossil fuels
8: this is the first time by all accounts they've gotten more heat out than they put in
0: not so fast this supposed breakthrough announced just as we were finishing this film is a total distraction The net gain, 0.1 kilowatt, is enough to boil a kettle of water, and not much else. But what is truly baffling is that they are not counting the actual input required to power the lasers to get the machine going. When you count the energy it took to generate the fusion reaction, it's actually a 1200 times net loss. Furthermore, fusion reactions can generate heat in excess of 3 million degrees which would ignite the oxygen in the surrounding air if a breach ever occurred. Everything about ah. this is, at best, wrong. At worst, fraudulent. So why is this fake solution being pushed by every media outlet on the planet when we have had real solutions hidden in classified programs
9: for 100 years? Different people have different devices. Of the ones that have, because we have a rogue government, certain themes that keep reemerging. The first theme is torsion physics. Torsion physics is a fancy way of saying something that spins like this and something that spins like this. Think of it as like an hourglass shape. I think that it has to do with it representing the way energy moves in the universe. At the biggest levels, like the galaxy, it's a spiral. A tornado on Earth is this vortex motion. Our DNA is a stranded spiral. A second theme is plasma. A lightning bolt is plasma. The spark gap in a car is plasma. So plasma is the fourth state of matter. Solid water is ice. Add more energy, it melts and becomes water. Add more energy, it becomes steam. And then if you were to add even more energy say through running an electric current through that steam or through any gas you end up with plasma you can think of it as maybe this liminal state or in-between state between the physical world and the non-physical world whatever that is there's some evidence emerging that plasma can provide a shielding of inertia so if you imagine that you're a ufo and you need to zip around at crazy speeds you can't pump the brakes too fast otherwise everyone's going to slam into the windshield right but if you had some sort of inertial shield around the craft i.e like a plasma shield you might be able to eliminate the inertia surrounding that and keep the occupants safe Uh, i think this is why ufos seem to Glow, plasma glows. A third theme is that of the ether. The conventional or mainstream understanding of the base level of reality is maybe the quantum tiniest particles all bumping into each other. The ether conceives of this differently. It says that there's a kind of a fluid geometry that is the base layer of physical reality. And that to understand that fluid geometry is to be able to really understand electricity magnetism and gravity and this according to tesla and others is the key to really understanding what he was getting at with all of his wireless transmission of energy stuff but i believe that we're going to see something like a return of the ether will be called that but it'll be something like that that's going to enable us to make much more progress in these
4: areas in the coming century this gentleman, he had a car that would run on water, but it had to be modified. A local inventor has discovered a way, hear this, to use water on your car.
7: It's a major breakthrough that will no doubt make motorists happy, and as Ralph
10: Robinson explains, the Pentagon is also showing lots of interest in this project.
4: And he always kept that secret. He had a patent that he falsified the voltage and the frequency cycles per second because he didn't want anyone to reproduce it and leapfrog him financially. Again, this crazy inventor syndrome. And what happened, and when he passed away, there was a whole warehouse full of floppy disks and papers and everything, and his heirs wanted to sell it off. What people didn't realize is that this car was the least important thing Stan Meyer had. He had a toroid and the toroid was a donut-shaped electromagnetic device that had had a national security order slapped on it. I was going to get it and openly disclose
11: it. The scientific establishment may have ignored the likes of Meyer, the powerful military-industrial complex certainly hasn't. Over the past 10 years, Maia says he's been quietly approached by many influential organizations who would never admit publicly to their involvement with him.
4: This was a disaster. If we had a few hundred thousand, we were going to offer, but we made it clear we were going to open source it. Well, they had a group, an engineering group from Michigan, they okay, had a lot more money because they had a of
1: babies? Market.
4: Oh, yay. And they were going to monetize it, keep it secret, try to repack all the usual crazy ideas. And which would be great if you're just developing a new software program, but not change the world forever. Can't do it. They were working on it a couple of years. I get this hysterical call. He goes, Dr. Greer, we need your help.
7: We need your help. <laughs>
4: They're on the run for their lives. They've been sabotaged. They've had death threats. Oh my God. And my advice was, oh my forget about Golem and be in my ring and my precious ring. In this case, it was literally a precious ring. Just put it out there I will help yeah. spread it we will build these up independently have labs tested and you cannot put that Maybe. toothpaste it's so back in the tooth you squeeze it hard he says yes that, that, you're right it's probably the only way but they think they can find a safe country to go to I said you're going to have to go to another star system my friend I literally said that no way that's going to happen So, sure enough, I find out a few months later, I meet with a high-tech guy in Orange County, that entire team was assassinated. one the one survived. Uh, It was just crying like a baby in this man's volume.
5: Technology shows that we can release energy up to beyond 2.5 million barrels of oil per gallon of water and do it safely. So it gives us the ability to not only uh, sustain and maintain
4: the economies of the world, but also give us the abilities to uh, handle the environmental pollution problems at the same time. This sort of encapsulates, you know, five or ten of the suppression techniques, all the way from murder to crazy inventor syndrome, falsifying your patent, trying to make money first instead of proving the science first, etc. And, of course, he took this to his grave. He was poisoned and killed at a cracker barrel. As ignominious death as ever I heard one. <laughs> Stan Meyer's
0: water engine points us to a deeper mystery concerning energy in our universe microscopic ball lightning. The late physicist Ken Shoulders developed a technology called charge clusters, which are likened to ball lightning. When they are discharged, they actually tap into the zero point energy field. This is where most of the power in Stan Meyer's device was coming from. Stand, can shoulders face terrible suppression? And so
4: I, I met with this CEO. He says, Yes, they approved a $5 million grant from DOE so we could develop this further because one of the effects it had that they were really pursuing was putting low level, initially radioactive waste in these charged clusters. And it would cause isotopes that were non radioactive to be created. What does this mean? And clean up all the radioactive waste. However, the phenomenon, the reason it was doing it was that it was actually activating, as it were, this baseline energy field that's at the fabric of space and time. And that's what they didn't want out. So in the rarest of events, that grant was published, and these vicious people who want to keep all this stuff secret went into the, 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 the Secretary of the of office and said pull that grant
0: and they pulled it. Another technology to harness the power of ball lightning is being developed by a team of engineers in Florida. They have successfully tested several prototypes that allow any internal combustion engine to run mostly on water.
4: Spark plug engine, all of it, because it has enough of the lubricant oil in it that it won't just freeze up the engine. And this is literally what he's doing. Stan Meyer, this device, and many of the others, Ken Shoulders, Charge Clusters, they're creating these small, microscopic ball lightnings that, when they discharge, are tapping into that zero point energy field and creating the motive force.
3: Ooh, that's why the concussion from the thunderclap is so huge. There's a huge amount of energy that's actually sourced from from the
9: vacuum energy.
11: All the dots connected. This is what's
9: happening, right? So how we need to make the thunderclap engine. Many times breakthroughs are made because the inventor or the scientist was inspired by looking at nature. The same systems and the same mechanisms that exist in nature that you can see can also exist in the devices that you build. So by trying to mimic that, you can tap into the intelligence that nature has already shown you when it comes to being efficient with the energy transmission mechanisms.
0: Another current technology was recently investigated by Dr. Greer and his engineering team at an undisclosed location
4: in the Arizona desert. One, two, three, four, five, six magnesium alloy specially configured plates this thing's the size of a nice size shoebox. the circuitry you see on the right is a misdirect because the guy has crazy inventor syndrome and thinks he can keep it secret and make a trillion dollars
12: You don't interfere with the big, powerful people. You don't put them out of business. They're still in business. They still have those 50-year leases on the lines and and all the power transformers. you would be able to get one of my power plants. Just replace a coal-fired plant. You know? But it wouldn't be big news or anything, because I'm just selling electricity to them, okay? And then they're going to say, well, we're making more money at this plant than we are at the others, and so they're going to put them around. You see? They're not going to let me in. They're going to fight me to land many of them. But I'm going to be very sneaky about it.
4: This thing, for three years, had been sitting in this, near a chicken coop, in his backyard out in the desert, putting out three kilowatts of power continuously, and we cranked it up to five kilowatts. No input power. And it's running off the magnetic flux of the space around it that he can tune to any place on the Earth so it's correct, and boom. This thing, solid state, no moving parts. We just saw this. But he's... A textbook case of making every wrong decision. Tried to patent it. Well, you'll see in a moment what happened. He ended up getting put in prison for a week. He has had sabotage, death threats, murder of people around him. Yeah, I spent eight days in that
12: jail. And I went before the court, the judge said, come here, doctor. They said, read this. You sign it, you go home. You don't sign it, you go to jail. And all it was is I would not ever in my lifetime, ever, through me or anyone else,
4: if anybody else is manufacturing these, I'll go to jail. And here is the secrecy order he was slapped with. (laughs) But look at the date. 1984. <laughs> it was almost forty years ago. So you know doing the same thing. Patent office. People think this is a myth. No, here's a secrecy order.
12: See, so I don't want to go through that again. It scared my family and everybody. Um, so now what we're gonna do, we're gonna be very quiet. I'm gonna build my one makewal. It'll take two and a half years to build. Because it. it's, it's very complicated.
0: I got I gotta acclimate it to the earth technologies like this and countless others will never see the light of day without a radically new strategy dr greer is preparing to launch a multi-centered state-of-the-art research and development lab that will develop zero point energy technology live streaming 24 7 for security and transparency Great. All research results, data, and plans would be released to the world open source, freely available to the public and the scientific Great. community. This Thank will you. require broad public support to make this a reality.
13: They need With some this funding. strategy,
0: zero point energy is achievable, but it is only half of what has been suppressed.
4: And then we get into the really cool stuff. Look at the dates, 1919, Paktowski-Frost experiment, where they actually had high-frequency systems where things levitated, defying gravity. And then T. Townsend Brown, and he had very high-voltage systems, electrographetic, they call it, where high-voltage would cause this lift effect and would actually create, if you will, uh, a bubble, an electromagnetic field that would allow an object to move at enormous speeds and free of the forces of gravity, what's called gravity control. An Office
0: of Naval Research report on T. Townsend Brown's electrogravity device includes a transcript of a conversation between Major General V. E. Petransit and Lieutenant General H. A. Craig. Trandius remarks, it sounds terribly screwy, but Friday I went down to a place called the Townsend Brown Foundation, and believe it or not,
8: I saw a model of a flying saucer. Thompson Brown was an independent experimenter, and he uh, actually worked on, as as you can see, very large uh, replications of saucers that he believed were vital
11: for a different type of propulsion.
7: The big question is, can I prove this? This I consider to be a very serious Rosetta Stone. This is Young Man Magazine. The article is titled, The Team Engines Are Coming. By far the most potent source of energy is gravity. Using it as power, future aircraft will attain the speed of light. Now, in this article, they give you the names, they give you the time frame, they give you the dates, they give you the defense contractors, universities, and research centers that are actively pursuing cracking the gravity barrier. They talk about the Lear Corporation, the sperry Rand Corporation, the Bell Aircraft Corporation all trying desperately to crack the gravity barrier. And it's clear from the eyewitness testimony, they've done it.
4: And then we have Michael Schratt to thank for this, a great archivist and historian. And he's found these journals that date from the 50s, one, to you know, 1956, where the big buzz in the aerospace industry was anti-gravity, quote unquote, the G engines, gravity engines. And this was actually in the open literature until they figured out how it really works, and it all went black.
7: Now, where did they get the technology? This was an interesting crash retrieval. This is prior to Roswell. This is November 1946. This was seen by a courier who went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and he had a guard, an MP, who he was friends with, and this guard said, you know what, i got something I want to show you. So he brought him into this facility at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and there was this craft sitting there. And this little red dot that I have here shows you the attempted point of entry. They were using a diamond tip drill bit to try to get into this craft. So the question is, if this is one of ours, why would they be trying to get into this? So is this the beginning origin point of a reverse engineering program? Some of the
9: UFO crash retrieval material, we've looked at it and we found that the materials used are very strange.
0: When extraterrestrial material is recovered through military crash retrievals and its metallic structure is examined under a microscope, the metal is so pure that we could not replicate it, even in a vacuum in space. This is because extraterrestrial crafts are not manufactured on a Ford assembly line the way humans would manufacture something. Everything in the material universe has a frequency and a corresponding sound vibration that creates and sustains its being. Extraterrestrials manufacture objects by first creating a resonant frequency, for instance, the frequency of a flying saucer. This is a sort of vibrational blueprint that interacts with the substrate of the physical universe, pulling into existence from other dimensions, atoms and molecules that then organize and condense into the structure of the object being created. In this way, extraterrestrial material is literally manifested into being, like trans-dimensional 3D printing, or Star Trek's replicator technology.
7: No. Ooh. Moving on to 1963. This is a Marine. He was called from Cherry Point, North Carolina to an undisclosed location, and his job was to guard something there. And when he got to this facility, they opened up these doors, and he saw, propped up on scaffolding, this 40-foot diameter dish-shaped craft that looked like a fat hamburger. It was about 15 feet tall. He noticed that there was a white circle painted on the floor, and his job was to shoot to kill anyone who would try to breach that circle. They were trying three ways to get into this crap. Number one was a diamond tip drill bit. So we've got two cases of this now. Number two was an acetylene torch. That failed. And then the final attempt was bringing in two 18-wheeler tractor-trailer boy trucks that had these very high-voltage generating devices, and they were using a laser to get into this crap.
0: In a previously unreleased interview with aerospace designer Brad Sorensen, Sorensen describes a secret air show that took place at Norton Air Force Base on November 12 of 1988. A classified military exhibit in which so-called alien reproduction vehicles were unveiled. The craft were hovering off the floor with no landing gear underneath and nothing supporting it from above. When asked, where did they get these concepts from, Sorensen states,
4: they said they copied it. By the way, these went all through the solar system. The components, Mercury era, 1959 to 1960s, early 60s. So these were operational. When did we master gravity control where these were being functionally built by classified projects? here on Earth, not extraterrestrial. October, 1954. So here we are, riding on the surface of the roads and cars belching out garbage and pollution. When I say a lost century, it really is.
7: They were already working on these programs as early as 1948. During the Clinton administration, they were spending $100 million a day on black budget programs. Nice. The big question is, has this been integrated into the aerospace industry? And if we look at what the witnesses are reporting, they're reporting similar things across time, across dates, locations. Now, this is March twenty-third, 1966. This is Temple, Oklahoma. Primary eyewitness name is Teddy Lex, he was an electrical engineer, he's working at Shepard Air Force Base, so he's commuting to work, it's about 5.06 in the morning, and I want to stress that this is not my case, this is an actual United States Air Force Project Blue Book case, and it can be verified through Project Blue Book, so he's going to work in the morning and all of a sudden, something is blocking the road in front of him and he notices something that looks all the world like a tipped over bowling pin it's about 75 feet across on the starboard side of the craft that you see here there was an air stair cutout door and a man i want to stress this was a man this is not an alien he was wearing two-piece green military fatigues he had a baseball cap with the bill turned up and he was shining a flashlight near the bottom of the steps. Above this stair door, there was an interesting stinger or spire that tapered back and swept back to the end of the vehicle. And at the end of this spire, there was about an 8-inch diameter sphere. And that's interesting because I keep getting reports from the eyewitnesses of spears and balls and protrusions and prongs sticking out of these UFOs. And if you look what the eyewitnesses are describing to us, and you look and examine high voltage electrical equipment, it's a match. I believe I can make a case that the components that people are seeing on these UFOs are off the shelf, high voltage electrical components. When this gentleman, who was this military green fatigue gentleman, when he noticed that he was being watched by Eddie Laxon, he scurried up this ladder He slammed this door shut and then there was a high-pitched drilling noise. This crap levitated off the ground and then took off like a spark on a grinding wheel and made no sound of boom whatsoever. This is back in 1966. Rockets are obsolete. Solid rockets are obsolete. Jets are obsolete.
13: Oh, my God.
4: be true and we're still flying jets. Elon Musk tweeted this out.
5: Is in the center of the fire and the
7: smoke, and you can't see any form of what was
4: once discovered. Here they are going up on a Roman candle 40 years, 50 years, 60 years after we already had gravity control. This is the biggest cover up scandal in the hist- known history.
7: We've already got the technology to do away with solid rocket boosters. We've already got the technology to take away completely liquid rockets. Why wasn't the Challenger crew briefed on this technology if we already had the breakthrough in
4: 1954? And so then people get into how can this be? I put this out a lot because it's a good declassified document. But you have an organization called MAGIC, an MAJI Majority Intelligence Committee, and a few others that run these kinds of projects. They are beyond black. What do I mean? They're unacknowledged special access projects. I'm sure you also unacknowledged. But these are the projects that are off the radar, even of the people who manage the black projects. So I call this Beyond Black, these are way off the book. And this was a security alert with the distribution list back in the 90s, so I gave this some people in the Pentagon, like Admiral Wilson, who I briefed who was the head of intelligence, joint chiefs of staff, and they got inside the program. I'm doing that now for a whole new generation of people since the law was passed, to get to the bottom of what UFOs are, or what they call now UAPs, nobody calls them that, it's ridiculous. Let me tell you what, a UFO, UFA, they make up these fake names, that are obfuscating unexplained aerial phenomenon. Like ball lightning or something. No, it isn't. Yeah, it's so all, harder it's harder to unexplained. Keep Secondly, it's keep track of what's and going on. Some They're either man-made UFOs or extraterrestrial. That's it. Keep it simple. The hardest thing for the senators and the White House people and the general public and particularly the media to understand, or scientists, is that if this is true. How could it be that it, it's been kept secret from the people? They're very good at counterintelligence. So it's structured, as Eisenhower warned us, to where the military-industrial complex
5: In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex.
3: A very strong warning of what he saw coming, because he'd been living with it, for eight years, the CIA was only created in 1947, and the Pentagon and its generals were, you know, gaining much more power. And as the nuclear. With Nazi progressed. scientists
1: who were I don't know who or saw it rescued from the
3: combination of military Getting power justice at Nuremberg. So if you think about what the industrial operation is, paperclip, industrial complex, the industrial should is be part of that new national
1: program, curriculum, and,
3: AI and the chemical companies and the now, increasingly, the pharmaceutical companies that are running rampant
4: and increasing yeah. their wealth by
3: astronomical
4: proportions. This is just the value of the raw materials. Look at these numbers: 150 trillion dollars in oil. That's actually an underestimate. Now, 48 trillion in coal, a trillion in uranium. But that's just the raw. When you do multiplier effect, when you take it from there to retail and creating energy. It's, it's many more hundreds of trillions, and that's what's being protected along with the Bretton Woods petrodollar, where they decide to make the dollar the reserve currency of the world, but it's being called the petrodollar. So the entire macroeconomic global economic system is sitting on a crumbling foundation of the energy system we use, and it's going to have to be transitioned. It should have happened 100 years ago. Yeah. Now we're out of time
3: the malefactors of great wealth, as Teddy Roosevelt
1: You're right to out of Writing the laws, I'm out you are know, touch.
3: to write the laws that, that they want. Why does that I'm 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 Jr. To both editions of my you're recent right book, which was to Horses the Apocalypse, became climate
1: and crisis in its out most time. recent version. But and he said this which I think is pointing
3: out of what I've been talking about today.
5: Whoa.
3: They work together in lockstep, coordinated by Capitol Hill trade associations, lobbying firms, captive agencies, and paid-off politicians to increase authoritarian control, to transform all of us into mindless consumers, to shift middle-class wealth to billionaire plutocrats, and to liquidate our Purple Mountain Majesties and our entire planet. They have declared war on democracy and personal freedom
5: shadowy government with its own Air Force, its own Navy, its own fundraising mechanism, and the ability to pursue its own ideas of the national interest, free from all checks and balances, and free from the law
4: itself. So get your mind about this. There is the government, constitutional government of the United States, and then there's this other secret government operation, which has more money, more power, more technology. than the it government. Is a criminal enterprise. It is not sanctioned by the president. Criminal it is not enterprise. By and yet they're using our tax dollars and are raping the planet and destroying the yeah. earth. Yeah. Criminal
1: enterprise. The planet. Cease and desist. That's
4: what we
7: have to fix we 've got let 's get a cease and desist order no fucking retrieval cases
13: stop this
1: criminal
7: is enterprise correct and if they exploited the technology associated with these craft and procured that and put it into our aerospace industry, they have made a tremendous breakthrough in aerospace technology that i think that our challenger astronauts should have been briefed on our apollo astronauts should have been briefed on and we could have avoided all of this obsolete technology yeah and we could all anybody's move forward dying that wonderful people world,
1: dying millions of people die because the fucking government's hoarding information in
3: some people wonder why we don't know more it's our about taxpayer this. money it's
1: our fucking inventions telling we paid us what's for really it
3: going on we have about 15 billionaires and Horting six
1: corporations the wealth
3: controlling 90% of the media in the United States.
13: Yeah,
1: We've
3: got AT&T, Comcast, Walt Disney Company, National Amusements. That includes Viacom and CBS News and Fox Corporation.
4: They rely on advertising revenue, and that's going to mean they're totally us Big Pharma. This is a CIA document, it was released, I was surprised it was released, and it says that we have a relationship with every major wire service newspaper, newsweekly, intelligence Shut it down! Shut down Big Pharma, commar- no more fucking commercial post, ...change, hold, or scrap stories that could have adversely affected... It should be, that's a bio- HIPAA violation. sources and methods. Here's another part of your treatment... ...between so you, you and your doctor. ...forced to live in the idea that we have a free press or that we have a free market economy. Pray tell any economist in here, I challenge you, how do we have a free market if the most important scientific breakthroughs of the last 100 years have been ruthlessly confiscated, people murdered, and kept off
1: the
2: market? It's a
4: controlled economy. It's a controlled media. It's an abomination. It is killing the planet.
1: Communism. There
4: were days
5: when I wished I had never seen free energy. Control
1: the command the economy.
5: The amount of pain that uh, you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning because you can't do anything. And you know that pollution can be cleaned up. And everyone is on the same economic basis. And uh, because you're powering everything with the free energy. You can do really what the philosopher Joseph Campbell said. He said to seek after your bliss and follow your bliss. free energy does it.
4: And so, what do we do? Well, the current paradigm we just went through. The new would be unlimited abundance, no poverty. In 20 years, there would be no poverty on Earth. In 20 years, with these technologies, universal peace because you're not fighting over everything now. And Earth in harmony with humanity and the biosphere restored.
11: It's important to realize that the technology that is required to heal Earth already exists and has existed for a long time. That the problem is not fundamentally technological.
7: Mother, if gavel from came the came Supreme
11: Court. Around, around the goal it. of healing Earth. We could do it in five years because the capacity of life to heal is just incredible. But we're just in the way of it all the time. I mean, even look what happens if you stop paving over a parking lot. In five years, cracks appear. Weeds are growing out of it. In 15 years, you see chunks of pavement here and there, and trees are growing. In 50 years, you don't even know a parking lot was ever there. In order to maintain Earth in a state of... Ugliness and unlife requires constant effort because the power of life to live is so small. That's what life wants to do. It wants to live.
4: Yeah, we just uh, we need to let it go. We a million cars a year. If we converted like that, which is not going to happen, all manufacturing of automobiles to these zero-point energy generators, it would take, do the math, 15 years. We barely have 15 years left. The date I've been given, 2035 to 2040, and we're
0: done. The scale of the transition is almost unthinkable. There are an estimated 14 million kilometers of paved roads across the earth. There are many millions more of power lines comprising the so-called smart grid. A real smart grid would be no grid at all. We need a compassionate transition instead of displacing millions of workers who support today's energy infrastructure we must enlist them in the radical transformation of our world that lies before us
4: we've all heard of the hopi prophecy probably there are two lines on the hopi prophecy right now our entire planet is on the line the upper line that terminates We're an extinction-level event trajectory. That's the path we're on. There's another line in the Hopi prophecies, and that's one that we have to jump onto that goes on and on forever. That's our choice. We, the people, have to choose it. It is not going to be done for you like a Ouija board in Washington or in (laughs) Nashville. We're going to have to unite and do this ourselves.
9: You can imagine a civilization that has figured out the over-unity question as being one in which the centralization of power, and therefore the centralization of the inputs necessary for the growth of civilization, becomes more decentralized. So rather than these power stations that are clustered around big cities, you can have energy generation
4: mechanisms in every hole. And this is why it's a new world, because it's the power to the people. And what it means, it's literally not just electric power and energy, but actual political power. And in the industrial era, from the 1800s to now, it's gotten more and more concentrated. This is going to return the power to every village and every person. Even the deserts shall bloom, as it says. the Bible and in Africa and around the world, they're going to leapfrog past where we are with all this electricity and wiring and power lines and power plants like they did telephones. They went straight to sell. But this is a bigger leap. Where all over the world, all these impoverished areas.
2: Every little village in...
4: The community will have its own energy generator for pulling water out of the humidity of the air. We have the technology to do that now. Why isn't it used? Because it uses a lot of electricity, which is polluting and expensive. It'll be a global village, all interconnected, but also all self-sufficient. Complete local self-sufficiency with no pollution. That's the world we could have had beginning in the 20s. A 100 years later, may I suggest we accept it. It's time.
7: We are a hundred years behind where we should be right now. Why are we still pounding metal nails into boards to build houses? Why are we still loading up shipping containers on tankers and taking two months to get here? This is all a construct. And why call this a time snap?
4: <clears throat> a time snap is when things have gone so far off track, the only way to fix it is for the people to unite, come up with a totally different strategy, wherein in
7: So far off track,
4: we reappear.
7: Full nails into boards to build houses. Why are we still loading up shipping containers on tankers and taking two months to get here? This is all a construct. And I call this a time snap.
4: A time snap is when
7: things have gone so far
4: off track. The only way to fix it is for the people to unite come up with a totally different strategy, where in a decade to two decades, we make up for a hundred years. It can happen.
2: Make up for lost hundred years. 100 years. Survive.
4: But this is now a survival question for every man, woman, and child on the earth. So that's why we have to do this.
13: have to
11: remember also that the capacity for life to heal is almost unlimited. And we see this already with people who are restoring ecosystems and regenerating farmland. You know, even in a few years, miracles happen. You know, springs that have been dead for generations come back to life. Species that hadn't been seen in the air.
4: Where in a decade to two decades, we make up for 100 years. It can happen. And, you know, if nothing else, humans do want to survive. This is now a survival question for every man, woman, and child on the earth, so that's why we have to do this. We have to
11: remember also that the capacity for life to heal is almost unlimited. And we see this already with people who are restoring ecosystems and regenerating farmland. You know, even in a few years, miracles happen. You know, springs that have been dead for generations come back to life. Species that hadn't been seen in the area seemingly magically reappear. And so we can't forget that, we can't succumb to a despair that is founded in our distrust of the power of life itself, which again, is part of the origin of our current condition. Visualize your house, off the grid,
4: clean energy, no wiring, Why? Why? because every device, whether it's this size device, or your refrigerator will have a small, solid state, quantum vacuum, zero point energy device in it, running it. So there's no electromagnetic fields running through your house because you don't need wiring. Think what that'll do to construction costs and the simplicity of it. And here we are in the Sahara Desert, and you want to grow food, you create a a biosphere dome it's run on free, clean energy, as we've demonstrated. You're growing oranges, you can grow crops. You can have different zones in it for different temperature and humidity control. So anywhere on the planet that you need to have foods, it could be done under controlled circumstances, digitally automated, but with no cost for the energy and the water, virtually yeah. none. What that means is, the food scarcity and starvation we're facing that goes away very quickly in, in a 20 year period. Here's your, your typical street in your neighborhood and anywhere in the world. And as we bring these technologies out, the grid comes down, we don't need it anymore. When there's a snowstorm or hurricane or whatever, you don't lose power because you're not dependent on a grid that's gonna to be torn down by ice and snow and wind. You don't need wires, all you know these wires the clutter of wires, you don't need them. Because every device will have its own source of energy. This could have been done decades ago. As we bring these out, all these freeways will be replaced. All the lines and power lines will go away. We can float above the surface. And in every city in the world, we're gonna see this transformation every village in the world and then we have these cities you know eventually where you're just floating there there they're guided pathways you know the ground is pristine and then we're going out into space so everyone remember where our destiny is our destiny is not just earth it's the whole cosmos how is that going to be possible the only way we're allowed to go outside our solar system is that we become a peaceful civilization. Otherwise, it's locked down. You know, we are considered a planet that is da- dangerous and armed. Each one of us is very invested
9: in the world as it is. We've built careers, relationships and goals based on a world that <laughs> doesn't include ETs and anti-gravity and free energy and healing devices and all this cool, abundant stuff. And so we need to understand and really know if we are ready for that investment to be disruptive. So one of the most powerful things that any of us can do is to look in our own hearts, imagine the world that could be, and ask ourselves, are we ready for that? If Apparently the answer not. is yes, then hold that in your heart.
13: Fuck these the motherfuckers.
9: If the answer is no, If there are some lingering doubts or fears or concerns, then go into that. Follow that. That's an important thread that you can follow back to something inside of you that needs attention. It's that obstacle that
4: may be keeping us from living in this new world. At Rendlesham Forest in the Air Force Base in 1980, uh, Roughly pyramid shaped craft landed. You've all heard of this cat probably, but I'll recount it for you. And the part that's classified you don't know. There were these kind of luminous beings that literally teleported, floated outside this black pyramid, and communicated with these Air Force officers. And the ET said, We are your descendants. What? Who have become interstellar. But we are from 500,000 years in the future, descendants, and we are now here. They basically materialized time travels to 1980 because this was a covert nuclear weapons facility that, if that had been disclosed, it would have triggered World War III. And saying you've got to stop doing this. If you stay on this path, we, your children's 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 children, 20,000 years into the future, we won't exist. That was wow. 42 years ago, so they have been warning these civilizations from other star systems, some of them are our descendants, not all, not all, but some are, the key thing to remember here is, is that the fact that that happened is a message of great hope, it means that there is a chance, a good chance, if we reach into our higher consciousness, and we go forward with a strategy that isn't based on materialism and greed. This is a massive undertaking, my friends, but I'm convinced we can do it, but we have to completely rethink how we live, how we act, and the whole business model of what we're doing. And if we do that, here's the world we're gonna have. We will be remembered as a generation that pulled ourselves off the extinction line of the Hopi prophecy and moved on to the one that goes on forever.
13: Thank you
1: all. Free energy for all, and you elect me president. Nelson
0: Mandela once said, our human compassion binds us the one to the other, not in pity or patronizingly but as human beings who have learned how to turn our common suffering into hope for the future. We have every reason to have hope. The solutions already exist. If we come together as one human family, we can reclaim our lost century. I
13: want to be free,
1: so free, like a an fellow. A bird in a tree, like a dolphin in the sea. I
13: wanna fly high, so high, like an eagle in the
1: sky. And when my time has come, hey there, what's up? Mega Land, Mega World, it's all a World now. Anyway, thanks for almost 200K and we are hot on the trail of Trump going to fucking jail. Hot, hot on, on the, the trail, trail. of Trumpy e. Bond Schindler going to fucking jail. Motherfucker. Um, Trump faces total defeat with crushing legal blows. Legal AF
7: Judge Eileen Cannon,
14: supervising Trump's current federal indictment regarding Mar a Lago and all things espionage, drew a line in the sand and said, Trial in August, like Christmas in July, but better. The Department of Justice (laughs) said, We like where your head's at, Judge, but December is more reasonable given the six terabytes of data and classified documents at the core of the case. And now the skipper and little buddy you're heard from, Trump and Walt Nauda. With a filing this week uh-huh. in which they ask for an indefinite trial setting, not until after they file motions to dismiss the dismiss the indictment, and teach the judge the law according to Trump regarding Presidential Records Act and the crimes charged. And certainly after the primary and presidential election season, so let's call it twenty twenty-five. The court will make her decision on the eighteenth of July and we discuss what we think will happen next. Hint we may have a disagreement between
1: filing with-
14: anchors on the show. 7:11 is usually a lucky date, but not for Trump in the E. Gene Carroll defamation case based on statements he made while president and at the CNN town hall in May. Just yesterday, two major events. The Department of Justice, after three years and two administrations, has told the parties and the court they're out and will no longer seek to protect Trump with presidential immunity for the defamatory statements he made while president against E. Gene Carroll. And they're right. exiting the case. And on the same day, E. Jean Carroll's lawyers filed a scathing motion to dismiss his defamation case against her as the victim of sex abuse because he wasn't a sex abuser. Uh, he was a sex abuser, not a rapist. That's his defense. So, uh, and based on statements that she made on CNN, will the judge dismiss Trump's retaliatory suit against E. Jean Carroll this summer? And what does it mean in the trial now that Trump can be sued and has no immunity? for his comments that he made while he just happened to be yeah. President of the United States at the time. Finally, Georgia peaches aren't the only thing in season. Georgia indictments by the Fulton County <laughs> DA in Atlanta are in season two. Connie Willis just sat her grand jury of 26 Fultonians to start their work on Tuesday <laughs> with a target window of August 11th through September 1st to get an indictment against Trump. How many make up a quorum in a grand jury? And how many are needed to vote to indict? Why are there two grand juries in place? Why do we see pictures of the grand jury now? And what about the special purpose grand jury report and indictment recommendations from March? All this and oh so much more on the midweek edition of Legal AF, only on the Midas Touch Network, with your anchors Michael Popok. And Karen Freeman ignifolo sizzling indictment summer maybe the reason yeah. that the Earth's global collective temperature ah. set a record this week. Karen, yeah. thoughts?
10: It's, uh, you know, I'm feeling very patriotic because, you know, I feel kind of wrapped in the flag right now. You know, I was walking, mm-hmm. I wanted to go for a walk before this, this podcast and get my head cleared and kind of just get myself ready. And as I was going for a walk, uh, a neighbor of mine got sick and we had to call 911 and uh, an ambulance came. And just watching publics like heroes, truly, absolute heroes. They come, they come in an emergency. These are people who devote their life to helping people. They come and they help you and they, they're nice. And they're just, it just makes me feel very kind of warm and fuzzy inside. And, you know, I, I really... Whether, whether it's police or fire or, you know, EMS or who, to me, those are the people who are the heroes of our country and who need to be celebrated. Just the exact opposite of the people we're about to talk about, Donald Trump and all of his MAGA, America hating, you know, they want to just steal our democracy. But it just, it made me feel so good about people and about just just the heroes.
14: Yeah, people are going to think this is weird, even though you and I are in the same city. We had a very similar event happen, unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago in front of my office um, in Murray Hill in New York, where we sport a giant American flag that proudly waves. Mm -hmm. Um, My office administrator had to help in an emergency basis a man who had seized, had a seizure, in the middle of the street on 38th Street. And waited, and he, he lost teeth in hitting his head on the ground. And she sat with him. He didn't know where he was. He was out cold for most of it, and we waited for EMS, the fire department, the police department to come. And a lot of and a lot of Manhattan people. And tourists and others came to his rescue and right. sat with her as well. And that was an amazing, heartwarming thing. Although there was one moment that was like out of a Fellini film a woman in full clown makeup <laughs> got out of a car to come <laughs> over to assist, which gave it a whole nother's <laughs> only. Yeah, but New you York know, that's moment.
10: Manhattan. That's what that's New York Manhattan. is great right about New York is right. you, you can be anything here. You can love who you want, you that's can right. marry who you want. And we all live together and get along. It doesn't matter what color your skin is or any, anything else. We all come together. And that's why I love New York. You know, New York's not perfect. I'm not from New York originally. And sometimes, you know, it can be challenging. But the reason I'm here and I've stayed here and, and, and work here and raised my kids here and here my whole adult life is because of the people. Yeah. It's because the people who are here are diverse. They're interesting. And they all come together and live together and accept each other. And it's what's beautiful about New York.
14: Yeah, which is so weird that we're going to be talking throughout today's podcast about people like Rudy Giuliani, who used to be the mayor of this great metropolis, yeah. and boy, have the have the uh, have he fallen? And we'll talk about all that when we get to Georgia. And Donald
10: Trump used to be was from here too. I can't believe yeah. you know.
14: He's from, and he was hatched. Yeah, he wasn't really yeah, okay, from, yeah. from anywhere. He's from a spaceship. But but uh, let's talk about Donald Trump and Walt Nowda, the skipper and little buddy, for those that are Gilligan's Island fans, um, and the Mar-a-Lago proceedings that are going on, um, and, and where are we with it? So I'll kind of give the highlights, the 5,000-foot level, and then we'll dive in with our uh, resident former prosecutor, Karen Freeman Ignifola. So... Uh, the, the court had set a long time ago, at least at the end of June, a hearing that was going to be on July the 14th for both Nauta and Trump and their lawyers to talk about a few things. One, a proposed trial date. The judge having, as I said in the opening, the judge having drawn the line in the sand and said, All right, Speedy Trial Act and constitutional right to a fast trial. How about August? We'll do August. And then the, the, <laughs> I think that even caught the, the Department of Justice a little bit by surprise. And they said, Well, we're ready. The defense isn't going to be ready by August because we're about to dump on them about seven terabytes of data. <laughs> Just to put a little fine point on that, in a recent government filing, or they gave the sheer, oh no, it was actually in the filing by Donald Trump. I'm going to correct myself here. They listed what the government is giving them. And it's 430,000 records comprised of 833,000 pages of documents. 305,000 additional documents, <laughs> uh, documents coming from 90 custodians of record, 90 different sources, 57 raw hours of closed Closed circuit TV footage
13: mm-hmm.
14: uh, and, and and up to um, fifth. I said six. It's fifty-seven terabytes of information, which for those that don't you know, know, that's a lot. That's like multiple servers worth of just <laughs> data that's coming to them. <laughs> so based on that, the government said, you know what? Let's do December. December, a very canny choice, because as I as you were you and I were talking to our producer Salty tonight. Yeah. The first
1: primary
14: for the Republicans is January, so this would be before the primaries. Let's get this trial going, Um, and let's not even worry about the March 2024, several months later trial up in New York um, related to Donald Trump. Let's not worry about the October civil fraud case up in New York. We'll do December. That seems to be a lane that we can occupy. And the, uh, as expected, um, I think uh, Ben Mycellus our co-anchor and, and colleague, put it best they're, they were going to ask for 2025. And they basically have. They said, Judge, there's so many complicated issues here. We're going to have to teach you. Remember the way we taught you last time related to when we asked you to stop the criminal investigation in its tracks, and you got slapped by the 11th Circuit, your bosses on the appellate court twice? Remember that? Remember when we misled you about the law? Well, we're going to do it again. This is my words not theirs and uh, we're going to teach you about the presidential records act which by the way is not applicable and the espionage <laughs> act and all the crimes and how they fit together p.s. they don't fit together um, and so we're gonna confuse you and we're going to play that game and maybe we'll file a motion to dismiss so it's really premature and this is a candidate for office and joe biden runs the doj and so let's call the whole thing off yeah, i mean i'm giving you a summary but that's basically what's in the papers and um, of course, we're waiting on the Department of Justice. Usually, they're lickety split. We get a filing from them with like within hours. They already have it like ready to go in the computer, pre-pre-prepared. <laughs> okay, did they file? Okay, uh, filed. Let's file ours. So that's going to come in the next day or two, and Ben and I will cover that on Saturday. And then you have the judge agreeing to push the hearing off until the 18th, where she's going to do two things. She's going to discuss this trial setting process, whether she does or she doesn't set it, and then she needs to have a required Classified Information minute, Pro- Procedures Act um, hearing, a CIPA, bro, C-I-P-A, bro, C-I-P-A bro. hearing, to talk about Everybody she's getting their, case, their security in clearances in place and how they're going to use documents conflicted. and share documents. Who's going to have access Compromise. to those kind of classified documents? What are they going to do at trial? So that everybody's better informed yeah. about Jack how to John put on this trial and do depositions uh, or, or any case. kind of statements under oath uh, between now and, and the time of she's trial uh, before it. the trial setting. That's why you usually have a trial setting so you work backwards from there. But Aaron, prosecutor, you got a different view about all this tell our audience
10: so let's just talk about in general how cases work when you're in court uh, there are we've now we've seen the arraignment, right where you are told what your charges are and and whatever
1: Trusted sure for a prize. Trump for prison.
10: The bail is that is supposed to will or will not be set or release conditions, and then there then there's also at the end a trial. Okay, but there's a lot that goes on in between, and those are adjournments or court appearances and in criminal cases that is usually uh, ones that require the defendant to be present unlike civil cases which I, you don't necessarily need to have and so there are these adjournments and they can be for all sorts of reasons they can be uh... for to just update the judge they can be to ask something of the judge they can be to have hearings they can be for all sorts of reasons and and there are different ways that that can work in a case. So, civil, for example, this is criminal, but in civil cases, normally the way they do it is they set a trial date and then they work backwards and have all the dates in between of when things are due you know this motion is due and this piece of paper is due or depositions have to be done or discovery has to be done and if you want to change those dates it's all kind of preset there's like this you know calculator that sets the dates if you want to change them you ask permission for the court In state court in New York, the way it works is after the arraignment, they just adjourn it to the next date for the next thing without any thought about trial or what's going to be in the future. There's no sort of mapping out the whole case of, okay, the trial will be on this date and let's work backwards. Let's do motions here and hearings here and et cetera. So in state court, like I said, after arraignment, they will adjourn it for the next procedural thing that has to happen. And there's different Things that milestones that you have to reach to get to the next step. But it, it, you don't know when the trial is going to be because you have no idea how long those procedural things are going to take. And in federal court criminal, however, it's a different tradition. The tradition criminally in federal court, because that's really what this is. It's, it's, it's kind of the custom or the tradition of how courts typically do things, is they typically do set a trial date a re- and, and it can be moved, but at least it's a goal. And it's a goal towards what you think, uh, what, when you think it's going to be. Now, in state court also, trial dates rarely mean anything, right? You set it for trial. A case can be on for trial three, four, five, six times. You know, I'm not ready because my witness didn't show up or the defense defense attorney says, I'm on trial. Federal court's not like that. A trial date is a trial date is a trial date. And so you are going to be ready both sides on that date, uh, unless you have explicit permission from the court, but it's much more serious and it's much more fixed in stone. And so here, What's going on is, uh, as, as you put it, um, Jack Smith is saying it's realistic that this will be ready in December. And the defense team, all all of the defendants, lawyers, so both Walt Nauta and Donald Trump's lawyers all said, there's no p- way we can be ready by December. And they list all the reasons why, you know, we don't even have our security clearances yet. You know, we haven't even but, P.S., they haven't even filled out the paperwork yet. And, you know, there's a little game going on here, I think, uh, where where Walt Nata is is doing Trump's bidding by um, asking, you know, asking for these little adjournments like, you know, oh, I, I can't I, I I don't have a lawyer. I can't be arraigned. OK, put it over. Well, I couldn't make it to the arraignment because my flight was canceled and so put it over again you know, well, I have a lawyer, but, you know, she just got here, so she can't possibly be ready by July 14th, you know, and so then they all agreed, okay, how about July 18th is when this hearing is going to be, and, you know, some people might say, oh, it's only four days, you know, what difference does it make, but those small adjournments add up, and it's sort of death by a thousand cuts that I think they're trying to do, because the more they can push it towards the election, even if it's four days here, two weeks there, three weeks there, you know, these little tiny Ah, We're not asking for that much. We'll just put it over. You're eventually going to get into dangerous territory. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. And I think what's going to happen here uh, is, you know, they're, they're giving all these excuses, right, about why they can't possibly be ready. Um, you know, this is, you know, there's so many legal questions that are significant and a first impression. You know, the as you said, the President, you know, the Presidential Records Act and criminal statutes have never been addressed by any court. Or, you know, we're going to question the authority of the special counsel, you know, this, this kind of thing. And so the question is, what is, in, and we'll go into that in more detail. Um, about, because I think it's worth going into these in more detail, but I just want to answer your specific question of what you, what I think that um, Eileen Cannon's going to do. And I think she's going to punt. I don't think she wants to get criticized by making the decision. Sure. I'll put this over, you know, until, um, until, you know, whenever, um, because we're going to get too close to, to the election, but I think she'll say, look, you know, You guys haven't even, this 57 terabytes worth of data of discovery that's been turned over, by your own admission, government, you haven't even turned everything over yet. And we haven't gotten the security clearances yet. And we don't even know what we're going to do with these classified documents yet. So I'm going to, I'm not going to make a decision yet. And I'm going to put, I'm going to punt it and, and we'll see how we do. And she's going to just keep you know, little by little, and they're going to try to th- they death by a thousand cuts. They're going to push it, push it, push it, and then eventually they're going to—he's—they're going to say, well, you know, he's the nominee, and he can't possibly—you know—he has to be at this primary, or he has to be given this speech. His First Amendment rights—you know—you're going to infringe on them by not ha- allowing him to by interfering with his rights to run for office, et cetera. So I think she's going to punt. That's—that's that's what I think.
14: Mm-hmm. Popok? <laughs> back to you, Popak. Um... Well, a couple things. One, we went through a process like this under the state court proceeding um, procedures that you outlined earlier with Judge Mershon, who's handling a criminal case of almost as many counts—34 counts—or as one of the uh, cheeky pro-democracy. Websites like to say with a list of presidents, former presidents, with zeros next to their name, for the amount of felonies they've been charged with, and then ending with Trump seventy one. Marshawn, um, you know, he put it in March. He said, "You you want it in the middle of a election season, in a primary season? You're okay. <clears throat> I'm not going to do it before. I'm not going to do it after. But we know this Eileen Cannon. To your point, you know, has bent over backwards and thinks that she has some sort of." Person with special properties in front of her because he was the former president and now is the likely nominee for his party. I, I choke every time I come out with that. Once again, to my friends and no, and I have Republican so friends. Alive. This is the best you can do. Be twice impeached, multiply indicted, a judge, sex abuser. This is your candidate. Okay, putting that aside for a moment, um, we know. where her head was at how easily distracted
1: all the judges handling his cases especially Jack Smith
2: To disqualify
1: RSVP
14: acted and she took her eye off the ball of the law when they ran into court a different set of lawyers for Trump at the time, ran into court to try to stop the criminal investigation and the search warrant in its tracks. And she she made some comments in her rulings. <clears throat> Pardon me, everybody. In which she said, wow. oh, he's special. is my words. He's special. He's former president. We have to treat former president differently, with kick gloves. He gets weak. I have to bend over backwards as federal judge. I don't know why I'm talking like Tarzan, but but this is sort of <laughs> the root of it the rudimentary observations this judge made all wrong by the way and then she was reprimanded and reproached by the 11th circuit her bosses in two separate panels that said i don't know what you're talking about but your role in a criminal investigation is very limited and you've crossed those lines and those boundaries and you're doing weird things stop it and the search warrant goes forward and and if there's an indictment issue and a suppression of the evidence issue, you'll deal with that at another time if and when there's ever an indictment. Well, now there's an indictment. But we kind of know that her compass is already a little bit screwy, a little bit cracked. And they're exploiting that, these two new lawyers for Donald Trump, Chris Kice and Todd Blanche, knowing that they misled her or the other lawyers led her astray last time. She's easily misled. You're going to try it again. Judge, Presidential Records Act really complicated stuff judge it intersects it doesn't by the way with the espionage act it it only does in trump's mind because he keeps saying it does it doesn't he's not being charged with criminal violations of the presidential records act he's being charged with with compromising national defense information ndi and using it in places like bedminster his golf course to show off to friends and family to make his point showing iranian war maps that a presidential record. But they're going to try to confuse her. Shiny object, Judge, look over here. And uh, it's so complicated, Judge, we can't even really get to our motion Plan to dismiss the indictment bus. and and dispositive motions to get rid of it under presidential, presidential Records Act application for months.
13: Top, First of all, why? Plan.
14: This is July. He doesn't start his campaign in earnest until the primaries in January. He's already told people he's not going to the Fox News debate. because He hates Fox News right now. He fell out of favor with them. You know, he picks and chooses which of these crazy events he goes to, you know, moms, Christian moms and moms for liberty and mothers for justice and all these made up grassroots grassroots places where he basically has to pay people to attend and, and, and yell his name. And so, he, you know, as other judges in the federal system have have noted, we just had a ruling by Judge Amy Coney, uh, by You can see I got the the three judges, three names wrong by Amy Berman Jackson. Sorry, everybody, uh, a democratically appointed judge in the D.C. Circuit who said in the case involving Peter Strzok, the FBI agent who got canned for expressing his First Amendment rights that Trump is corrupt while he was working on the FBI investigation of the Russia collusion project for Mueller in his civil suit against government and everybody else for getting canned. He wants to depose Donald Trump. Donald Trump, you know, and even the Department of Justice said, well, maybe not maybe not the former president at this moment. Amy Berman Jackson said, well, I've looked at your trial calendar. You're giving depositions up in civil cases up in New York and you're sitting for them in the class action fraud case that's been brought against you and your family and a civil fraud case and a defamation case. You look like you yeah. have time to sit for a deposition here. So not every federal judge treats him with this, this, you know, this effect, this this halo effect, um, the way that the way that Cannon used to, I'm I'm am the jury's out a little bit about what she's going to do on the 18th. But having listened to you, I told you I wasn't quite sure what I was going to say on the podcast. I think you're right. I think she's not going to set a date far out. She's going to punt. She's going to say, "Let's let let me set a status conference. Let me everybody check your calendars. Let's really? set a control date. of uh, Let's all get to back together in November or December, and let's see where we are with this with the conference." The classified documents and the security clearances and the exchange, and, you know, the documents that, that you've given over to to the defense and the motion practice. Well, we'll set some motion practice dates and deadlines, and then we'll, I'll decide in December or January or whoever about the trial date. Now, for those in our chat that are jumping up and down that she's corrupt, she's going to make the terrible decision. We need to take an appeal. Yeah. It's going to be very difficult, and the DOJ knows this to appeal a. A, a ruling, a decision by the judge about which date for the trial. That's not appellate grounds. Judges are given tremendous autonomy and discretion to set and control trials. Especially that's, if she
10: doesn't make a decision.
14: That's their number one job. Right. Well the decision not to set a trial date is making a decision about the trial date. And that's gonna that's gonna be an abusive discretion standard. The, the DOJ is never going to win that on an appeal, so we're going to be stuck. So that's why I've come back around, Karen, to your view that the safest place for her, both of peas, people on the, on the far political right, and whoever else, is to just say, let's reconvene in November or December, and uh, we'll, we'll let everybody check our calendars. And the Department of Justice is going to be like, okay, great, they're going to have to do it because there's no place else to go on the trial-setting issue it sits with the trial judge, and you can't get her bosses at the 11th Circuit to overturn her.
10: So they will. Not- ben- the, the Department of Justice will. Jack Smith's people will bend over backwards, though, to... Absolutely, give them everything as soon as possible to point out to them exactly what they're going, what what where the relevant. You know, it, there's there's nine months worth of of CCTV tape is, is how they call it, right? Not so you know they were saying there's nine months worth of video. How can we possibly watch all that so quickly? They will point out, okay. You know, it's all. This is nighttime. Nothing's oh, yeah. happening right, right. It's, it's from an this hour. time to this. Yes, <laughs> down to the hour. And you know, and look, and and that's what what prosecutors do a lot is they'll say this is the only. This is the stuff that I'm going to be using at trial. This is what's relevant. But, you know, defense attorneys regularly, what they do is they watch everything else. They look at everything else. You know, the, the 31 documents that, that Jack Smith wants to, you know, the classified documents that, that are going to be the subject of the SEPA hearing, you know, those are going to be, you know, that's that's going to be very interesting because Jack Smith has already culled down the documents that he thinks uh, – both that, that that are in the sweet spot of, okay, these, these are national defense information documents, right? So NDI, so it, pursuant to the Espionage Act statute that doesn't require it to be classified, just that it requires it to be national defense information. Uh, and it's not so secret that even if... You know, even if it comes out at trial, it's okay because really, that's what's that's what's going to happen at the SEPA hearing is they're going to establish what are the um, what are the the procedures that we need to put put in place to keep these documents safe, you know, and and secret. And sometimes what they do is they'll say, okay, the jury can see it, but but it won't be public, you know, so the public can't see it, but the jury can, the defendant can, uh, so they can make their decision. The The defense has already signaled in their papers that they're going to object to that. They want everything public. They think that, you know, defendants have a right, and they do have a due process right to uh, an open and and public trial and I, I'm sure the gov- the the, new, the press is also going to make motion saying, no, we want to see it too. And I'm sure Jack Smith is smart enough to have already uh, thought of that. And so even if these thirty one documents um, come in and everyone gets to see them, I think that that's going to I think he's already made that determination that that will be okay. The problem with that, however, is a couple of things. Number one, you know, the the argument the defense is gonna make is well, either it's national defense information or it's not. If it's if it's not that if it's not that secret, if it's not that big of a deal, then actually it's not that big of a deal that everyone that, that he had it and that he kept it, you know? So you, you say that this is, you know, the Esp- espionage act, this is so dangerous, but here, it you know, here it is. The New York times published it because it was a matter of public record. And I think that, you know, you only need the, he only needs one juror to buy that argument, but it's an argument that I think is a pretty good
14: one. Uh, that, why do you, know, you think, well, hold it. Why do you think the government, why do you think the department of justice is going to just not try to protect all the NDI Because you have three levels of things here, just to be clear for the audience. Espionage Act is not based on top secret or classified. We like talking about it in shorthand, because ever since we were kids, we've known what top secret and classified is, like Boris and Natasha for the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. You know, like a folder, Acme top secret, we get it. But for Espionage Act, it doesn't require that somebody takes, retains, disseminates, uses, discloses, or whatever, top secret and classified. The classification system doesn't matter at all. The reason for that is the Espionage Act was passed before there was a classification system, so it certainly could not have related to that, and Congress never made a change related to it. All that's required is national defense information, NDI, which has only been defined through a series of cases and case law about it. That big pile of documents that Donald Trump talks about on the Bedminster audio recording, you know, where he whips out the Iranian... Um, you know warm map or whatever it was it starts unfurling it you can hear it and people ooh ha mm, i'll have a coke you know remember that that audio that is ndi and other things probably in that pile are too if i'm the prosecutor why don't you just say everything is ndi everything has to have protection at the at the moment from from prying eyes of the public sorry we have to put it all under sepa otherwise you're right does it i think they i think they are the gonna say, yeah.
10: they are going to they are going to say that yeah. but i think judge cannon potentially is going to rule otherwise now the government can appeal that uh, yes. to the Eleventh Circuit Trump cannot
13: Fast yes.
10: and and fast but, track gov- appeal. but the, right but the government's going to have to decide at a certain point do you want a trial right do we want to have a trial and if they appeal it there's you're again death by a thousand cuts right that a fast track even a fast-track appeal that can go up to the Supreme Court by the way you know even that can take weeks if you know it's, it's probably not days. And so again, that's going to just be a strategic question that the government's going to have to decide, do we want a trial or not? And you know, the funny thing is, to me, this is a little on its head. Because if, if I were the government, or if I were Trump, I'm not sure I'd be so afraid of a trial in this case. I mean, the fact that he drew Eileen Cannon, forget her, If she has this trial in Fort Pierce, right, if she has it in Fort Pierce and they draw the jurors from her five counties that are all red, including Okeechobee County, which voted 72 percent for Trump, he has a great chance of pulling a jury that has at least one person who will hang that jury. So I am not 100 percent sure. Like if I were canon, I would probably push the case and push it for Trump. Let the jurors do the bidding for her. You know, okay, let's just get this trial out there. Let's get these. I'm going to say these documents. I'm going to call your bluff government. We're going to get it. I'm going to put some red meat jurors on there. Let him let him actually run for president saying, see, it was a witch hunt. I was acquitted. It was, you know. But, she- but there's, an
14: in, there's an intererum thing here that we're missing, having practiced in the Southern District of Florida. It, it, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not calling you out because I'm just telling It's you.
10: okay, go ahead, I want there, you to.
14: There's a reason that the final decision about where the trial is going to take place has not been decided yet, and that's going to be in consultation with Judge Altanaka, who's the chief judge of the entire Southern District who sits down in Miami, we, we, we speculate as to why the arraignment took place there. A Miami grand jury that used to be a West Palm grand jury, but because, you know, there, as far as I know, there's no SCIF, which is a place to go look at classified documents in Fort Pierce. I know there isn't. I don't believe there's one in West Palm. There is one in Miami that's next to the Miami courthouse. So be careful what you ask for. If they're too smart by half and they go, gosh darn it, let's have an entire jury, jury pool of Okeechobee County, which is the sugarcane capital of, of Florida, right at where that, when you take a shot of Florida from space and you look down, you see that big hole that's in Florida, right? That's the Everglades. That's where Okeechobee County is. and, and But they're worried. They're worried that, you know, the rug gets pulled out from them. Because you're right. If they're 100% sure, and they're not, that this could take place in Fort Pierce, where the Fort Pierce jury, let's go. Well let's have a, let's have a trial. We're gonna get at least three Trumpers in there if we do it there. But they're not sure. And if it moves to West Palm, it's not a Trump place, even though it pulls from Palm Beach County. Palm Beach County is it went heavily Biden, Clinton, Obama, Fort Lauderdale, worse, and Miami. But but Miami picks up some red again. It it really you know, it's a weird it's you know, Southern District of New York is so much easier to talk about than the Southern District of Florida. But that's that I think is the reason that they're yeah. worried that Altenaga at the last minute goes, you know, who can't handle this case, court system in Fort Pierce. Let's all come down to Miami. She'll come. She'll we'll give her a hotel. We'll, buy, we'll rent her an apartment. Judge uh, Judge Cannon, you can stay down here. We'll do the jury here. We have the security. We've got everything right here. Let's do. And then they're then they're effed, except trump's lawyers might say
10: i want my it's fine i don't care where it is but i want the same trial i would have had so you're going to bust jurors in from there which oh. they do in other jurisdictions
14: you think they're going to bust them down a hundred miles you know what day? They we do it in another juris. they do it in another jurisdiction busing in that, florida it's happened before <laughs> you know so
10: i i just don't know um but anyway i i just think that it's it's to me, the world is a little bit upside down because yeah. if I'm Jack Smith, I push this trial. We'll see how it goes. And I go for it. I would I would get in there with, you know, whether it's a Bedminster case, whether it's get the Jan 6 case going. And I would push for a better judge, a better jury. I mean, the worst the worst thing that happens is a trial and an acquittal or a hung jury. I think that's worse than well, putting the I, trial off.
14: I think we're going to start if, if you and I and Ben are right. And we've we've been known to be occasionally right. If we're right, this is a portfolio theory for for Jack Smith. He doesn't have well, he doesn't have where's my finger. He doesn't have one indictment. He has two. Or three. One could be in New Jersey, related to Bedminster bad stuff. One could be in District of Columbia, which is where all the grand jury, all the grand juries have been, related to Gen Six and everything that happened from the ellipse to the White House, the dining room to the assault on democracy. That's all. That's all D.C. That doesn't belong in Miami. There's There is no way in heck that the indictment that we know is coming any minute now. Any there's this calm before the storm again. We thought, you thought last week, I thought definitely this week, somewhere in July, especially now that Fawny Willis, and we'll talk about it coming up next, Fawny Willis has her her Fulton County uh, grand jury seated. Somewhere in there, there's going to be multiple indictments in different venues against Donald Trump. And is he going to run the table, Donald Trump, and win all of them, including D.C. and New Jersey? I doubt it. But, one last thing I want to mention to you, Karen, I don't know if you saw the poll, but there is a poll out Most Americans, meaning all Democrats and a handful of Republicans, want to see the trial happen not only before the presidential election, before the primary, which is very interesting. 57% of Americans believe. That it should be before the primaries, and 62% think it should be before the election. Even 42% of Republicans think that. So that's very, very interesting. I'm not sure Cannon's reading these polls, but that's very, very interesting. We're going to talk next about um, Trump definitely having terrible a terrible day at court. Two bad things happened to him on 7-Eleven in New York, um, in the E. Jean Carroll defamation case, and. and Karen and I are going to talk about that and then talk about Georgia is on our mind for good reason with the seeding of the the new, the real, indicting grand jury uh, down
8: in Georgia. But first, a word from our sponsors. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Lomi. Now, I've never been able to compost before. It was always too complicated, too much work, and frankly, I don't think I even knew exactly if I was doing it right. Then I got a Lomi. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with just the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it's really quiet. Thanks to Lomi, I have way less garbage each week. My family, worked down from three bags per week to just one. And here's something pretty cool. My wife, she recently started gardening and we've been able to use the dirt that Lomi produces to help fill the garden. And since I got my I throw out way less garbage. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. I feel so great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of waste. And I have basically a limitless supply of dirt for my garden. The other week I had my in-laws over for dinner, and the food cleanup process was such a breeze. Plus, they all think I'm super eco-conscious now. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to lomi.com slash legalaf and use the promo code legalaf to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to lomi.com slash legalaf and use promo code legalaf at checkout. Food waste is gross. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can.
14: You've all heard the famous line, try it free for 30 days. Yeah, well, that's just enough time to try it and then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. You could be wasting money and not even realizing it. Rocket Money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for the ones you don't use. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, but the actual total is closer to 200 If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need rocket money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them. Like that Starz app just to watch one show, or that free gaming trial you never actually use. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you, and for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit Cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses, so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. Over three million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to seven hundred and twenty dollars a year. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to RocketMoney.com/legalaf. That's RocketMoney.com/legalaf af green chef is the number one meal kit for eating clean feel your best with delicious nutritionist approved recipes featuring clean ingredients with no artificial colors sweeteners high fructose corn syrup and limited added sugar and processed ingredients choose from recipes featuring lean proteins like turkey sockeye salmon barramundi tilapia scallops and shrimp Certified organic whole fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and plenty of whole grain options. Eat the clean, easy way with recipes that help manage your weight and support your wellness goals without skimping on flavor. Feel your best this summer with seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. Also, Green Chef is the only meal kit that has both carbon and plastic offset. Green Chef offsets 100% of the delivery admissions to your door, as well as 100% of the plastic in every box. Plus, nearly all packaging materials are curbside recyclable in most areas of the U.S. Green Chef delivers everything you need to eat clean the easy way this summer. Feel your best with nutritionist-approved recipes packed with clean ingredients that support your healthy lifestyle and taste great, too. I love Green Chef. My absolute favorite is the spicy chicken and broccoli stir-fry. Delicious. Go to greenchef.com slash legalaf50 and use code legalaf50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash legalaf50 and use code legalaf50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. You know what's a hard word to say when you have to say it six times in an ad read? I never thought I had a problem saying the word subscription, until so I had to say it six times. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the life of a podcast host, or somebody called it recently, oh, you're LawTube. I said, we're LawTube? I didn't even know that was a thing. Apparently, lawyers on YouTube is LawTube, and there's a whole subculture related to it. Well, really? Whatever it is, yeah, whatever it is, I think we're – Because of the Midas mighty and the legal efforts, I think we're at the top of the law tube chain. I hope we are. (laughs) Um, One of the things that our producer reminded me when we were talking about that calm before the storm, which you so accurately used about a month or two ago to say, you know, we haven't heard a lot about. (laughs) We haven't heard a lot about grand jury work related to uh, Jack Smith at that moment. And I bet you he's probably making his presentation to Merrick Garland, which he has to do before he gets his indictment. And boy, were you right. Now, we have, for a while, like two weeks ago, like, you know, Rudy went in for a queen for the day proffer. I always loved Rudy as a queen for the day. It's just completely, but, you know, he gave his proffer with his limited immunity. And a couple of other witnesses went in. And then there was silence. Now we have reporting this week that the grand jury met. But no witnesses showed up. That's interesting, because why does a grand jury meet if it's not there to hear testimony? Now, there could be a records custodian who slipped in there. They could be doing documents. They could be doing some other type of presentation They could have voted <laughs> <laughs> or they could have voted on an indictment. Exactly. And um, so that's where we are. You know, we're trying to we're trying to read. You know, there, there are just and Aaron, I know you have it because I have it. You have alarm clocks that are just baked into your DNA as being a trial lawyer that just go off at different times. It's just a level of, of feel, of touch and feel about cases. And we have it here that we apply to the cases that you and I follow at that intersection of law and politics. And things like no phone ringing sometimes is as important as a phone ringing. You
10: know, you want to know what I thought, what I thought of, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about uh, Rudy Giuliani and whether or not he's flipped on Trump. Mm -hmm. And Uh, We're not sure. Right. And so but we do know he went in and his um, his lawyers said it was entirely voluntary. And so let's talk about what it would mean if he were to flip. And and I'll tell you and then you'll understand why I'm saying this. So if he were to flip, which means he would cooperate with the government and he was clearly a target. He's clearly committed lots of crimes and he is going to be prosecuted, I would imagine. So for him to to flip, he's not just a witness, he's a um, you know, a a defendant, I guess, not quite yet, but, you know, a target, and he'd have to uh, plead guilty. And he would have to admit to all the things he's done and, and really tie up all loose ends. And that's what they make you do in order to cooperate. So we heard this week that he's working on a settlement, civil, but he's working on a settlement in the Shea Moss, Ruby Freeman, uh, remember the mother-daughter duo who, you know, who ended up suing him for defamation because he and Trump and others accused them of, you know, taking out suitcases of, of votes and they got death threats and all this stuff. And, and we heard this week that, that that's in uh, they're very close to a settlement, um, so I think that that means he's wrapping things up and uh, he's going to flip and cooperate. Well,
14: well, government. except for one, I have to cut in because <laughs> I just I have a hot take running right now on the on the Midas Touch network. It looks like the settlement fell through because in the filings that, that that the lawyer, which I was going to we can talk about the lawyers for Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman, the mother daughter team that were so mercilessly defamed by Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and everybody else claiming that they were committing voter fraud and stealing ballots and feeding in Chinese ballots into the Fulton County, Atlanta, when they were doing nothing of the sort. They were just counting ballots and putting already counted ballots properly in another pile under the desk in a locked case, which is what they're supposed to do. But in the motion for sanctions and to seek a... Uh, Default judgment against Rudy Giuliani, which is what they've now done, claiming that he has not participated at all, Rudy, in meaningful discovery in the last 18 months. He's produced next to nothing um, and has claimed that he's lost it all or never had it or, or whatever. They've moved for the death penalty for him and civilly to have the case dismissed against him. In it, they said, we thought we had a settlement, but he walked away from the settlement in the last couple of days. And I said in the hot take because he's both cheap and stupid. I, would, I agree with you. Or he walked away from it because he doesn't care because he's going to be going to jail soon. I've always said that Rudy Giuliani definitely is going to get indicted. Whether he cuts a deal or not, that's a different story. And if he flips, along with Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's time as a free man on planet Earth is coming to a precious few. Because, you know, I've never seen an array of people at the level of knowledge and culpability that are, and and lawyers that are coming out against one defendant more than Donald Trump i mean look there i said to somebody recently the amount of evidence witnesses lawyer ex lawyers and documents and video evidence and evidence and audio evidence and notes contemporaneous that are that are now amassed in a raid against Donald Trump it reminds me of like the parting line. I'm, hopefully it's not a spoiler alert because the, the season's over. It's like the parting line in succession. And when Shiv looked at the mausoleum that now housed her, her, her departed father and said, I'm curious to see how he gets out of this one. Same thing here. I'm curious to see how Donald Trump gets out of this much evidence, the mountain of evidence against him. And he'll have to run the, t- you may be right, he'll get a hung jury here or there. But he's going to have to run the table in four or five different criminal prosecutions, All right. and I think that's that is not only next to impossible; that is impossible.
10: That's why he doesn't want a trial. That's why he's trying to put these things off. <laughs> right. No, it's true. I mean that his his entire his entire um, strategy. Is delay, 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 you know, hopefully get the nomination, even maybe get, you know, become president. And that, and then, you know, he'll either pardon, he'll for sure pardon Walt Natta, which is what his strategy is. Stick, stick with him, get him elected and he'll pardon me. And, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, let's just push this all off. And then when I'm president, no one can do anything. You know, state I can't, they can't. Gotta
14: be president.
10: And just this is what's in his mind. <laughs> yes, this is agree, what he's thinking, and so that's what he's hoping. It, hoping is is put it off, Bo- put it off, put it off.
14: Bo- Boogie has a better chance of becoming president of the United States. Boogie,
10: than Trump. he's such a good boy. He's such a good
14: boy. <laughs> Boogie and Lily, Lily, can, my Lily, can be the first lady <laughs> along with Boogie. But let's talk about um, clearing the air here. We'll get back to some serious matters and serious jeopardy for Donald Trump in the e. Jean Carroll case. E. Jean Carroll, some, some people might be rubbing their eyes and their ears going, we already do this? She won. Yes, she did win. She won the E.G. It's weird because she won the E.G. Carroll 2 case because the E.G. Carroll 1 case was put on ice while some issues related to immunity and scope of employment for Donald Trump, who was at one time employee badge number one for the federal government as the president. While that was going on, the judge says, yeah, that's interesting. Why don't we talk about and do a trial on things he said when, against her when he wasn't president, because we can do that right now. And that was Judge, uh, that was Judge Lewis Kaplan. And uh, I think that was a shock to um, then um, the, the, the mastermind superhero um, lawyer Alina Haba now a spokesperson, now been kicked upstairs and is a full-time spokesperson, Uh, and Joe Tacopino, who came in three or four months before the trial to take over, basically, because they were like, well, huh? Um, Don't we have to wait? Like, no, we're not going to wait. So that trial went forward, and uh, in in a Southern District of New York federal case, the federal federal jury being pulled from all different places around Manhattan and the boroughs and Westchester and that kind of thing, and six men and three women now found that Donald Trump you know, under for the for the special verdict form, did he sexually abuse her? Yes. Did he rape her? Because of the as as the former, um, as Karen, you'll, you'll tell our audience again as a former sex uh, a sex crimes prosecutor, you know New York is in the minority, and you have to use your penis to rape somebody and not a finger. And most states don't have that, that that issue. So they said, well, she was a little bit unclear. She had her eyes closed. She didn't know if it was a penis or a finger. Leave that for another day. And therefore, uh, yes on sex abuse, inconclusive on rape, yes on defamation, yes on punitive damages, where do we sign? And that was two and a half hours, who had the tuna salad, who had the taco bowl. Okay, everybody's out. <laughs> the fastest jury is they like set a land speed record in 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 finding against him. Only Donald Trump would then use that to say, I've been vindicated. Yes. I'm not a rapist. I'm only a sex abuser. And Every time she says rapist, I'm and I'm, and I'm not, because I'm a sex abuser, see the distinction? Not really. Um, I've been defamed. Including when Eugene Carroll went on television with Robbie Kaplan, friend of the podcast, her lawyer, and gave an interview, and was interviewed by CNN. But before we get to that, because that's really interesting, what happened there, and, and, and the new retaliatory defamation case, Trump brought against the victim of his sex abuse, um, E. Jean Carroll. The government had something to say after three years of uh, sitting around about whether the U.S., the United States of America, was going to intervene in the case related to when Donald Trump used to be president, whether his defamatory or statements against E. Jean Carroll, which are all the same, they're all the same as he's saying now, I don't know her, I never know her, I don't want to know her. She's a hack, she's, she's holding me hostage, she's shaking me down, I never, I didn't rape her, I didn't have sexual relations with her, whatever Whatever it is. He says it to this moment. Um, all of that happened, he said that when he was running, when he was president. So now the Department of Justice has finally got around to saying, will they or won't they come in and give him presidential immunity for that aspect of the case, care what happened.
10: So, yeah, so look, it's important to just in context understand how it works in, uh, with when you're a government employee, uh, you can't really be sued for actions that you take in as a government employee uh, if it's in the course and scope of your duties and so what they do so what happens is this is called the Westfall Act and and if the Department of Justice finds that if if you get sued and you know in a civil civil suit not criminal right if you get sued by somebody if you were a government employee and it was in the course and scope of your duties the Department of Justice will certify under the Westfall Act and intervene. And what they do, what that means is they substitute the United States for the uh, defendant in the case. And the United States cannot be sued in a, you know, cannot be sued civilly. So in this type of context, and so what happens is basically it, it confers immunity on the defendant. And so Bill Barr, who was Donald Trump's uh, um, attorney general, he said at the time that he felt that uh, that the Department of Justice um, was going to intervene under the Westfall Act. Now, Judge Kaplan, this this had sort of a circuitous, you know, went went through a whole thing where, um, you know, Barr invoked the Westfall Act, uh, but then. which means because this case was originally brought in state court, so when Barr invoked the Westfall Act, it then got moved to federal court, and Judge Lewis Kaplan disagreed that this that that Donald Trump was an employee and uh, that this was in the course and scope of his employment, but Trump appealed it to the Second Circuit, which is the appellate court uh, above um, above uh judge kaplan and they said no he is an employee the president is an employee but the question of whether this is in the scope of his duties and in his job that's a question that we have to ask the dc the washington dc state court of appeals To clarify, under state law or DC law, and uh, and so we had to wait for that decision. And and what they said in Washington DC, what that what what that court of appeals said, you know what? That's a fact-based analysis that focuses on the state of mind of the individual. Okay, so Donald Trump, and whether or not it was in furtherance of the job. So it's not automatic. Just because you know, on the one hand, you can make the argument that. Look, you know, he was he was president of the United States at the time. You know, when you're trying to decide, is this in the course and scope of your duties, right? He mm-hmm. was working that day. He was, you know, with his gaggle of press, you know, people going on to, I can't remember if it was Air Force One or Marine One, you know, he was he, or getting off. He was, you know, in transit and he was answering questions about work. And, you know, it was clearly during... A work event and he was answering a question uh, and so you know there was a, a question there is that in the course and scope of his duties and and so what's what this now does is this says you know what this goes to the jury to decide the jury this is a jury decision and it's going to trial but what's interesting that happened here is um, Merrick Garland who originally said he was going to stand by Barr's determination and continue and, and agree that the Westfall Act applies here has now decided that based on new information okay including the fact that Donald Trump keeps making these these defamatory statements right so it's not like he was just answering questions and that was it he keeps making these statements over and over and over and over again including new ones That The the U.S. will no longer, uh, under the Westfall Act, certify that Donald Trump was acting within the course and scope of his employment. And they go on and say, you know, was the employee motivated to serve the purpose of the employer? And what was on his mind? And what was his subjective intent? And there's no evidence about his state of mind, which is why it has to go before a a jury. Um, You know, and they also said, you know, look, even though... These statements may have been made during his official duties and using official channels, you know, in a work context. Context they were purely personal in nature, right? He, this this happened decades before. This was a sexual assault, and you know that. And and again, his his statements continued well after he left office. So, you know, as a result, the DOJ is no longer they are declining to certify. So. Bottom line is, you know, the issue here that you've said all along, Popok, is because they've already found that he sexually assaulted her and these statements are defamatory, that it's really all about damages, you know, and what they will be and what the puni- punitive damages will be. But, you know, I, my question to you is given the fact that he has made this malicious, horrific uh, counterclaim against a sexual assault victim, you know, in, in this suit, um, you know, basically saying that, you know, look, she's not a lawyer. She, she might not know that New York law is, is so precise. You know, most people, when somebody violently violates you, you know, and puts, shoves their body part into her vagina, you know, most was raped. And, you know, just because that doesn't fit the statutory definition in New York of, of the technical definition of rape, you know, that is a rape. He raped her. And so, you know, the fact that he would claim, you know, that do a countersuit against her saying she defamed him is so outrageous that, you know, I hope you can explain exactly how that works and, and what will happen at the trial um, with respect yeah. to his counterclaim.
14: Yeah, and I do a hot take on it. I think we're running it a little bit later today to kind of really dig into it. But let me give the high level part of it here. Let me first pick up with something where you left off on the immunity thing, and then I'll bounce into the motion practice, the motion to dismiss against this retaliatory attempt to chill um, her First Amendment speech, her her authenticity, her right to reclaim her dignity, which is all that happened on the CNN interview. Which um, she had every right to talk about, which was her her opinion and her feelings about the jury verdict. Without that doesn't mean she defamed anybody. Um, on the Department of Justice, I mean, look, two administrations, starting with with Trump administration, and then and then the Biden administration, at least the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland, because they're trying to they're trying to protect principles that go even beyond. This this former occupant of the White House. Right. They, they have to stand on certain principles like, well, we know we don't want to we are holding our nose for this guy, but we don't like the precedent of having, you know, this issue, you know, having the Westfall immunity not apply to certain things. So that that's why they've been for some people on the wrong side of the net related to. I do love the fact, as you noted, that they pointed out. Let's look at the continuum of his actions, both while he was president and after, to answer the question that we have to answer based on the appellate court's ruling in the District of Columbia Court of Appeals, not the federal court, but the territory of the District of Columbia's highest appellate court, which is, was the conduct, in this case, faming her, actuated? at least in part by a purpose to serve the people in the US government. That's the phrase, actuated at least in part by a purpose to serve. So there's two components to that. One is the quantum, right? How much of what he said was because he was protecting the office of the presidency and doing his civic duty as president and how much of it was just private BS. <clears throat> about activities that happened before he was president. And then what was the purpose? So it's a quantum element and purpose element. And they pointed to his continued social media postings in which he goes after her the same way now, the same way today as he went after her then to say, well, well, if you're doing the same thing then and the same thing now and the same thing then, and hopefully we can put up some of these posts here while, while we're, there we are right there. This was this was this morning. right? So they compared that and earlier ones that were identical. And I'll read some of these out loud to what he said as president and said, see, he's not serving as president in this role because he's doing it now when he's not president. So I love Donald Trump. He has a three part social media posting and he puts it down as page one. I don't know why it's pages. It's screens, if it's anything. Page two and page three. Page one. The Department of Justice will not defend me and the E. Jean Carroll civil case. You can bet your sweet ass they're not, which is a, all a part of the political witch hunt lawyered up by a political operative who I just beat in another case. I'm not sure who that is. Financed by a big political funder. So he's saying the political operative is E. Jean Carroll because her law firm took some some minor cost funding from the founder of LinkedIn. It's like Donald Trump uses Save America PAC to pay millions and tens of millions of dollars to people uh, for his for his law, his law defense. OK, so that's that's who he's referring to there. EG way Popok, I yeah. think he
10: I think he says who I who I beat in a prior case. I think he's referring to the he fact is. that the rape. Yeah, he, he, thinks, he, he thinks he won.
14: He thinks he was vindicated because he was a he was a judge, a sex abuser, and not a rapist. So that's the person he beat in the prior case. She's a political operative because she's a Democrat. Okay, and she took she didn't take it. Her law firm had some of their costs defrauded. Because they were doing this for on a contingency basis, meaning they weren't getting paid. And there's a lot of cost in cases like this. Hundreds of thousands of dollars of deposition transcripts and experts and all this thing. And so Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn paid some of that? Okay, so what? But who um, takes that as a win? Just just who who An thinks? insane narcissist, megalomaniacal <laughs> former president. He then he then goes on to say that he was and judged by a Clinton appointee. Okay, all federal judges are appointed by some president, including a number that were appointed by Trump, who truly hates Trump. I love when he talks about himself in the third person. The statements that I made about Carol are all true. Nope, here we go. Didn't know her, didn't, didn't sexually abuse her, Wouldn't. she's not my type, I didn't rape her, I won that at trial. Here's your point, Karen. I won! I'm only a sex abuser. And other than for this case, I have no idea who she is, what she looks like, or anything about her. Then he goes on to say the Carroll civil case against me is a miscarriage of justice and a total scam trial was very unfair a trial that he did not attend child trial, trial that he chose not to testify in. either though he didn't have a criminal case against him, So there was no Fifth Amendment problem. He just chose not to attend. He acted at a press conference in Scotland when he was at a golf course like, oh, I'm, I'm heading back to, to, to testify or to attend. Never did.
10: Can anyone, but just really quick, can it, somebody point out? He says he's too busy, you know, to to um, go to trial in Mar-a-Lago. He can't possibly do it because he's running for office. Well, how how come he has so much time to play golf all the time? He's always on a golf course. He's not right. that busy.
14: Well, he's not employed. To be honest, he's not. He doesn't have a job. Um, uh, and then he goes on to say in this in this social media post. Um, I, I was unable to. I, and, oh, the trial was very unfair with the other side being able to and present virtually anything they wanted. Yeah, the judge ruled against you on a number of evidentiary issues. You had no witnesses. She had 11 witnesses. You had no expert. She had two experts. She testified and you didn't. Any wonder the jury ruled in two and a half hours against you? Uh, an out-of-control judge, that's judge, the same judge that's going to be deciding all these issues. My lawyers, due to their respect for the office of the president, oh, here we go, he's deluded again. Skipper thinks he's the president again. And the incredulity of the case did not want me to testify. Oh, here we go. This is Now, if you, let, let's blow that apart. Joe Tacopina said, you know what I'm dealing with here, judge. And the judge says, yes, I do. I'm going to give you one more chance to get your, if he wants to testify, he shows up Monday or not, or he's waived his right to testify. That's now been misinterpreted by uh, Trump in lying to his, 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 uh, the people that his sycophants, his cult followers as being, I wanted to testify, but out of respect for the office of the president, he did all this in 1996. The The only office he occupied was some bachelor pad, uh, you know, at Trump Tower across the street from the department store where he sexually abused her. And then he, he ends it with the net result of this horrible injustice and a completely unknown-to-me woman made up a ridiculous story. I'll remind everybody that there is a nice photo of him meeting her laughing at a gala along with her husband, who was then a very well-known uh, John uh Uh, John Johnson, who was a very well-known... Do you remember him on ABC News? He was a very well-known newscaster. And and that's the famous photo from the deposition where he mistook E. Jean Carroll for his other wife. He was standing next to Ivana, but mistook her for his other wife... um, Marla uh, Maples. Marla Maples. Can you imagine? He he thought he was in a photo with his current wife and his future wife and some random African-American man. Can you think...
10: can you Sorry. think, popoc? no, no, can you think of a greater gift? If you're Robbie Kaplan deposing Donald Trump and you show him a, that picture and he mistakes her for Marla Maples, <laughs> no. can you, can you, they Robbie Kaplan must have been, must have been like, thank you, God, that is the greatest <laughs> Answer like that doesn't happen that's like perry mason stuff that happens (laughs) like
14: you know on on tv it's like law and order where you where you sometimes work (laughs) the the and then of course everybody in that room knew that grandpa trump he keeps making fun of biden because he gets tongue-tied occasionally occasionally as a as a lifelong stutterer and because he's 80 he made fun of him saying oh he's losing it really how about you well, you, Grandpa, you thought both your wives were in the same photo at the same time. And it was so bad that Alina Haba jumped in like the nurse to say, uh, that's Carol. I mean, I you know, I would have jumped out I mean, I give a lot of credit to Robbie for holding her fire. Because I would have said, Miss, Miss uh, Haba you are interfering with the, you're littering and polluting my transcript. She just out there. I said,
10: Miss Hava, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> that's Whatever. Carol.
14: And then he said, that, "That's We have the transcript. That's Carol? Yeah, that's Carol. That's E. Jean Carroll, you lunkhead. Just destroyed your own case. Are we going to play this? Oh, God, please. <laughs> Salty, do we? Oh, we're not going to play. It. Salty just told me. He just burst my bubble. But there it is when he was testifying. All right. So now let's talk about the motion to dismiss briefly. He files a retaliatory strike against E. Jean Carroll because she went on CNN. And in a five-minute interview, a reporter turned to her with Robbie Kaplan, her lawyer, next to her, and said, what was your reaction inside you when you heard the jury return the verdict in finding sexual abuse? Yes, but rape? No. And she, very authentically and really, to reclaim her dignity, because it's true, said... I thought, that's not true, he raped me. But, I'll leave it to my lawyer to talk about the legalities of it. She was very polished in this on this point. That is all true. Her opinion is true, what she felt is true, she can disagree with the jury, she's allowed to say that. And, and, and she's allowed to say, also, the other aspect of the affirmation case is that Joe Takapina came over to her at the end of the trial to shake her hand, as he was trying to be chivalrous in some way, um, and he, she said to him, he did it, meaning Donald Trump, and you know he did it. And she walked out. And that it for Donald Trump was the last straw because that's him. That's her calling him a rapist again. But the motion to dismiss, which is scathing against Donald Trump and says, just repeats all the evidence against him, you know methodically painstakingly what the jury was told about the sexual assault the abuse the rape the whole thing and then says to the judge look southern district of new york sits in the second circuit for appeal and second circuit has clearly said that defamation cases are special and if you have somebody like donald trump bringing a defamation case against a victim like this power disparity." It's often seen as a chilling attempt to, to, to uh, stop First Amendment speech, proper First Amendment speech. And you can decide this right now at the pleading stage. You don't have to wait for summary judgment. You don't have to wait for discovery. Do it now, Judge, because otherwise you're going to be rewarding him for weaponizing defamation law. She was only fairly reporting what happened in the courtroom, and there's a privilege for that in defamation law. She was giving her honest opinion. And whatever she said was substantially true, substantially true, because sexual abuse versus rape to the average person is really the same thing. And the thing about Joe Tacapina, she just said it, and that can't be the basis. And then finally, because Donald Trump is Donald Trump and E Carroll is E Jean Carroll, in order for her to defame him, she, he has to he has to prove that it was done with actual malice, meaning that she knew what she was saying was false and or recklessly disregarded the truth or falsity. And she, they told the judge in the motion to dismiss, he'll, she'll never, he'll never be able to do that. Dismiss the case now. I think this case, a case against E. Jean Carroll, gets dismissed right now by Lewis Kaplan, and then we move on. I think, just for, you know, shits and giggles, <laughs> we have the video of Donald Trump mistaking E. Jean Carroll, the woman he said he didn't know, for his own at least second wife, in a in the video. Let's go and then Alina. Play, it, play in. it. Come on, we let's
10: gotta
6: play. It. I don't even know who the woman. Let's see, I don't know who. It's Marla. You say Marla's in this
10: photo? That's
6: Marla. Yeah, that's, that's my wife. Which woman are you pointing to? No. That's Here. Carol. Oh, that. So the the oh, person you just pointed to was oh, I said, Carol. Who is that? Perfect who is this? Point your anyway. wife.
1: And the person, the woman on the right, is your
6: then wife? I don't know, honor? this was the picture. Honor. I assume that's John Johnson, is that? That's Karen. Because it's very blurry.
14: Yeah. Okay, first of all, he stares at the photo. He didn't glance at it. He stared at it for a good minute or two. And then he said, because, you know, he's the smartest guy in the room. Well, that's uh, Marla. But... <laughs> The picture which we could we could we can find also, he's standing next to Ivana, right? So you see Ivana with a big boof of blonde hair and her mink coat and he's there and then you see straight in the middle of the shot a very young at or around the time of it, and he keeps talking about, you know, I wouldn't sexually abuse a 78 year old. Well, first of all, you're 78, and we're not talking about now. We're talking about in 1996. So here's the photo in or around 1996 or the late 80s, what she looked like. And yes, it is his type because he thought it was Marla Maples. Only he's delusional enough to think he's got two wives in the same photo. That's what I'm going to. No, it
10: was blurry. It was blurry.
14: Okay. Let's let the audience see.
10: That's that's the that least blur- that's the least blurry photo I've ever seen.
14: That is the clearest. You would think in 1985 whatever, this was the like high def iPhone. Okay, this was that's because it was a photographer, a real photographer, the real camera. You kids out there, we used to have cameras. This is a real photo. That is John Johnson who was a celebrity local newscaster on ABC News here in New York. On the right with the big boof is the late Ivana Trump. And on and looking right at Donald Trump and smiling along with John Johnson because Donald Trump said something funny, I guess is E.G. Carroll, not Marla Maples. That's wow. why he lost. That's why he lost this case. That was put up in front of the jury, and that's why he's a total fool and a liar. So that's what's going on on 7 Two filings. Department of Justice gave him one gift, which is you're on your own, Don. No, no sovereign, no presidential immunity for what you said when you were president, because you're outside the scope of your employment duties. And motion to dismiss, which will likely be granted. Next step is, um, I guess the I guess the Trumps can argue somehow that he's entitled to immunity. The judge is going to have to decide, but that's up to the Department of Justice. That's up to the U.S. government whether they're going to assert immunity. They can't get an appellate court. I mean, he can. He can try to take an appeal, but it, but it's not happening. He's going to go to trial in E. Jean Carroll Roman numeral one on a ten million dollar punitive damage case at least in the next several months, and you and I are going to be here to report on it. But before we go, of all places, thank God, Georgia. I got Georgia on my mind. I'm talking about. A real grand jury that's got the power to indict, that has now been selected two separate grand juries side by side. We'll talk about those and what happens on Tuesday when they meet and start considering the evidence against Donald Trump brought by Fawny Willis, the Fulton County prosecutor. But first, you need him. You need him to keep the show on the air. A word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Miracle Made Sheets. Whether you want to get more fit, be a better parent, or get more done at work, There is one thing that will help, and that's better sleep. With Miracle-Made Sheets, you can tap into the power of self-cooling temperature regulation, which has been shown to improve deep sleep quality by over 20%. Using silver-infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle-Made Sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, so you get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets mean less bacteria to clog your pores and fewer breakouts and other skin problems. Go to TryMiracle.com slash Legal AF to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And with Mother's and Father's Day right around the corner, this is the perfect way to give someone you love the gift of better and more luxurious sleep. Save over 40% and be sure to use our promo code LegalAF at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. Miracle is so confident in their product, they backed it with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com/legalaf and use the code legalaf to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com/legalaf to treat yourself. Thanks again to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. When it comes to privacy, people tend to focus on things like tracking cookies and browsing history. But protecting your email privacy is even more important because emails contain a lot of personal and sensitive details, such as financial and health information or login credentials that you don't want falling into the wrong hands. That's why I use Startmail, the secure email service that keeps your inbox safe. Every day, millions of people unknowingly risk their sensitive information through insecure email communication. Regular emails are like open postcards, accessible to cyber criminals, companies, and even government agencies. Your free email provider has extensive knowledge about you, including your purchases, web activity, YouTube searches, reservations, subscriptions, and location history. Gmail, Yahoo, and the other popular services, they scan and analyze the content of your emails to generate targeted ads. They also keep copies of your emails, sometimes for months after you deleted them. This means that any email can be retrieved from your account if needed and shared with third parties, such as government agencies. If you're sick of all this nonsense, then you need to give Start Mail a try. Start Mail makes it so easy you can enjoy secure email communication without surveillance or ads. Startmail ensures your inbox is protected with advanced security features. Plus, you get 20 gigabytes of email storage, surpassing what free providers like Gmail offer. Startmail has world-class encryption for confidentiality, which allows you to send encrypted emails even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. Your confidential messages stay private, and when you delete an email, it's gone forever. Switching to Startmail is hassle-free, and its easy migration tool allows you to move your emails and contacts from Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, and other providers with just a few clicks. Our daily lives rely on the Internet. Email privacy is crucial to protect personal and sensitive information from unauthorized access. Protecting your information is about safeguarding your rights to free speech and association, not about having something to hide. Sign up today and save 50% on your first subscription year. Go to startmail.com slash legal AF and join tens of thousands of people who trust Startmail for their email security needs. That's Startmail with a T, startmail.com slash for 50% off. And we're back. <laughs> Support our sponsors. I know people are like, oh, there's another ad. Thank God there's another ad. Because it keeps the network alive. It keeps the content coming to you flowing the way that you like it. You don't pay for this. It's free subscription to the Midas Touch YouTube channel and audio podcast are free. But uh, you know, we got costs, and so our our sponsors and and we got uh,
10: salty. It pays for salty. Who
14: that's a cost? Look how great.
10: (laughs) But but here, you and but no, but look, you and I go off on these tangents, and you know, we start talking about stuff, and he finds the videos and the clips, and the you know, he's just right up there with everything. So you know,
14: these and these sponsors are supporting pro democracy, progressive. You know ideals the way that we you know we curate our sponsors we don't we don't take them all we like the ones that are supporting us and so all right enough enough of that let's get to georgia Popuck. all right here we go i'll frame it turn it over to the prosecutor and um and then here we are Fawny willis in march god it was it march was able after seven months of a special purpose grand jury to get a report and recommendation and and a referral, if you will, of of, um, Georgia election interference crimes committed by Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and others, uh, including the fake electors, the head of the GOP, the Republican Party in Georgia. A lot of different people were targets of the special purpose grand jury to help Phony Willis make the ultimate prosecutorial decision which is her decision to make in Atlanta, about whether to seek the indictment of a president. Now, by the time that started, and we, we're now talking about these things in the middle of July, that former president has already been indicted twice. <laughs> so breaking the glass ceiling is a little, is a little bit less um, It's important. But it's, it's not as shocking as it was now that uh, Alvin Bragg in the Manhattan DA's office and Jack Smith's team have already gone forward. But very, very important, because Phony Willis is not only, we believe, looking at Georgia election interference, starting with the phone call Rudy Giuliani made that Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows and, and Donald Trump made throughout the state. But particularly the Mark Meadows and Donald Trump phone call searching for 11,758 votes between friends. Let's throw out some ballots. Let's throw out some absentee ballots. Let's throw out democracy while we're at it. Um, and all the other things that happened in the state, including led by Rudy Giuliani in the courthouses and setting up the fake electors and then plugging that into six other battleground states. Because, you know, like a like a uh, Marvel, a uh, Marvel movie, you know, Donald Trump needed all seven jewels in order to have the power to destroy the earth. And so he needed Arizona and Michigan and Pennsylvania and and um, and Georgia. And uh, so She is bringing a conspiracy, we believe, count case against Donald Trump. That's what she's fashioning. She has a civil RICO expert, Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organization Act, which used to go after the organized crime and the mafia, but it's going to be used against Donald Trump to tie together all of these disparate acts, conducts, and people in one speaking indictment. That wasn't in March, because that, That grand jury was advisory, but then she takes that report, Fonnie Willis and her team in Atlanta, Fulton County, and then she said indictments are imminent, and by imminent she meant, I guess, August or September, because she's continuing to develop evidence in the case. She's got more cooperating witnesses, including a lot, if not all, of the fake electors who have all said, we don't want to go to jail for Donald Trump. We'd rather cooperate with the prosecutor. Good idea. And others. Lindsay Graham has testified and, and Rudy Giuliani went and talked to the special purpose grand jury. So she's going to be able to use the 75 witnesses that already went before the special purpose grand jury and their testimony, which has been recorded, at least transcripts, and use that in Georgia because Georgia, unlike other places like New York, it hearsay is okay. So you don't have to have the live witness. It's okay if one, one person in her office sits there and says, I'm now going to be Rudy Giuliani. This was Rudy Giuliani's testimony. Question. Whatever that que- answer. And that goes on for an hour or two until you you bore the grand jury to death. You also can bring in live witnesses, of course, to supplement all that work. She's not going to walk away from seven months of work and a report and witness transcripts of seventy-five people that she already developed, Phony Willis. She's going to bring that across the street to a new grand jury, a new grand jury that, as of yesterday, is seated, and there's two of them, twenty-six apiece. You got fifty-two total grand jurors, and one of the reasons is, first of all, you need to have a. Re- this is the regular grand jury, meaning art variety of crime that goes on in Fulton County needs to have indictment through grand jury so you bring in the larceny the battery the murder the kidnapping the whatever you know and on on you know they meet twice a week for a couple of months um, so these two grand juries are necessary just Because of the volume of crime that's in cities, they got to have these grand juries running. And like one day they'll be, or one part of the day, it'll be like, let's talk, you know, indictment related to, you know, like uh, somebody brutally beat up somebody else. Okay, fine. And then it'll be like, okay, now we're doing the Donald Trump one, and we're bringing in the witnesses. Same grand jury, just wear a different hat. In order for the grand jury to, um, and and why there's two of them, is because one is going to be doing a lot of full time Donald Trump. And the other is going to be doing the other ordinary crime, garden variety crime that happened in Fulton County that needs to have prosecutors seek indictments. We don't know which is which yet. They don't know which is which yet. Uh, the, when a ju- On Tuesday when they get to work and there's a new judge assigned to oversee that process, we'll know which is which. I'm going to do one last stat and turn it over to our former prosecutor, Karen. For those that are wondering, as I as I opened the podcast, how many do you need for a quorum? In other words, how many have to be there to meet in order to do business of the grand jury? And how many do you need for an indictment? So out of the, 20, out of the 26, you need at least 16 to be present. So 10 can be absent um, at any given moment when evidence is being presented and all of that. That's a quorum for the grand jury to do its work. If they got 15, they can't they don't have a minion they, for for the people that are jewish out there they don't they can't they can't do it oh we got to get that 16th person get that person in the box okay now i can present my evidence if i'm the, if i'm the prosecutor but if they have 16 or more up to 26 they can go forward and that's a that's a grand jury day that's a that's a day of presenting evidence to witnesses reading things from the special purpose grand jury report and all that then on the day they seek the indictment you got to get 12 out of 16, have to be the 16 there for the quorum and 12 have to raise their hand and say, I indict. So four can hold out. This is this is Fulton County, Georgia. This is a Democratic bastion. And she seeks that indictment of Donald Trump, which she's going to do. She is going to get an indictment of Donald Trump for civil conspiracy and fraud, and uh, election interference. No doubt. We'll, we'll continue to cover it as we go along. What did you make of the pictures that have come out about the grand jury process already? The seating of two grand juries. You've been in front of grand juries. You've done high profile. There's, there's Fonnie Willis right there, real time, coming into the courtroom for the grand jury with her team. Um, you've done it, Karen. Uh, and talk about the grand jury process, how you interact with them, how does that differ from a regular grand jury in terms of how you treat them, information that you give them kind of let people in under the hood of the grand jury process from your perspective?
10: Yeah, sure. So I presented I would say thousands of cases before a grand jury I've been in many you know thousands of grand juries I've even impaneled grand juries which is what the process is called what why when you choose a grand jury and you make them an official body so this is I've done this more than almost any other thing in my entire career so let's talk a little bit about what a grand jury is and what it's not so a grand jury is not the same as a regular jury or what they call a petit jury a trial jury um, they're very different so a trial jury uh, in a criminal case is the jury that hears the ultimate facts at the end. And what they actually hear is um, a much more fulsome presentation where there's both direct examination, you know, the, the statements that the, from the prosecutor side and cross-examination. And they have to uh, find unanimously beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's the legal standard, right? It's beyond a reasonable doubt. A grand jury is very different. A grand jury is um, a charging body. It's it's literally what you do is you present evidence to see if there's sufficient evidence to charge someone with a crime, and the standard there is much lower. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt. It's a probable cause or a reasonable cause to believe that a crime occurred. Uh, they there is no opening statement. There's no closing argument, and there's no cross examination. It's just a you you. Um, Um, they listen to evidence and the and it's the evidence that the prosecutor presents and a defendant has a right to testify in the grand jury as well if they want they have to waive immunity uh, if you're in a grand jury that confers immunity and that's what they do in new york if anyone who goes into a grand jury gets automatic immunity for those crimes and so you have to be careful who you put in unless they waive immunity including a defendant now um here what what the way it works with a grand jury is just like any other jury you get a summons and you show up for jury duty and you are told you are part of the grand jury or you are part of the you know petit jury the, the trial jury and and you know the fact that they impanelled two grand juries uh is still not necessarily that much because in New York, for example, in just in Manhattan alone, you know, New York City is five different boroughs, right? It's it's Manhattan, Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. And in Manhattan alone, uh, we would have we have four, five, six grand juries going. At all times. It just depends because of of a volume. And so, you know, she has two grand juries that are going in. And, you know, again, in Manhattan, they sit some of them all day, every day, some just the mornings, five days a week, some just the afternoons, five days a week. It's just really a matter of uh, scheduling. But you will know when you are serving grand jury exactly how long it's going to be, what days you are going to serve. And you are there to hear this evidence and determine if there's probable cause. Again, It's a much lower standard. It's not like, and so it's not like, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, like at a trial. So, you know, that's why they call it bare bones, typically, because you don't have to present everything. You present just enough uh, that the jury needs to make an, an indictment. Now, in a case like this, where they're going to charge RICO and or conspiracy as well as the other charges. This is fairly complicated. They are going to hear, get lots of evidence, whether through documents, whether through live witnesses, or whether through the reading of the report, or summarizing the report, or the witnesses that testified for the special grand jury that you talked about—it's going to take uh, take some time. Um, and the way it works is uh, here. So they they um, picked 26 grand jurors per grand jury. So there's 23 who are the actual jurors and three alternates. So the three alternates who are going to sit there aren't going to do anything unless they ha- unless someone who is a juror can no longer serve and then they are substituted in uh, and and the way it works in the grand jury is grand jurors can ask questions and they can participate, but it's really more of a passive. You sit there and you listen and the prosecutor asks questions of the witnesses. Uh, So there's really only 23 grand jurors who are impaneled at a time. And as you said, for there to be an indictment, there has to be a quorum, which is at least 16 present. It's not just actually for an indictment. It's also to hear evidence. You know, The grand jury can't function as a grand jury unless there's at least 16 of the 23 that's called a quorum and if they have a quorum then you can present evidence and then as you said to get an indictment you need 12 uh, 12 votes in favor now a couple of things first of all nobody is ever going to take a vote if there's only unless it's like an emergency no one's going to take a vote if there's only 16 of the 12 present you're going to want the whole grand jury there for a few reasons number one uh, you, sometimes, occasionally, a grand jury, a grand juror will miss a day here or there of testimony, right? The doctor's appointment, they'll be sick, whatever. And there's a, a roll call sheet. And you can only vote, a grand juror can only vote on a case if they were present for all material evidence, right? Anything that's material. So, you know, a, a prosecutor's not going to take the risk if there's only 16 present that what if, you know, a couple of them were miss you know weren't there and and a judge disagrees with me and rules that you know what this is mater- this was material that they missed. I thought it was ministerial, but it's material. No one's going to take that risk. The other risk a prosecutor's not going to take is you know you're counting on 12 people to vote out of 16. You know, you're not going to want to, you know, they're, they're good odds, but they're not perfect. Right. In a case like this, I think you're going to encourage the grand jury to all be there all the time. And you're going to want as many as possible uh, in order to ask them for a vote. Um So, you know, that's what's going to to happen here. Uh, You know, next week, um, um, Judge McBurney uh, is going, you know, well, he he already explained to them their responsibilities and, uh, and, you know, the purpose, et cetera. And next week when they start, you know, if they haven't already, they're going to be sworn in. And then there's initial charging that happens, right? That you then, And in New York, I guess, yeah, I guess there, Fannie Willis and the judge already did it. In New York, the prosecutor does it. There is no judge. Uh, the uh, The only function that the judge does in New York is, is he's there for the selection and for the swearing in. And then they go into the grand jury, and then the prosecutor is the one who charges them on the law in New Ernie's York.
14: Ernie's out after, after yesterday. He's okay. a, a new presiding. Uh, Judge will be over the two grand juries.
10: Interesting, and so you know, so that that's what it's that's how it's going to go. And you know, I think that we will see. You know, Fonnie Willis has very loudly signaled exactly when this is going to happen. She's shutting down the courthouse when it happens. She's letting law enforcement be ready. And um, and I think that's great. I think she's also signaling to Jack Smith that you know if you want to go first, this is you know you better do it before. And I think there's reasons why she'd want him to go first. I think one of them is you know there is this policy at the Department of Justice called the Pettit policy, which means if there's state court went first there's a policy to stand down. Now, it's only a policy, you can override it. But again, Jack Smith and Merrick Garland, they're not going to want to look like they've done anything special here. They're going to want to go first. They're not going to want to say that we're going against our policy, even though they can, because it's not a law or a rule. They're not going to want to be put in that position. So I th- think we're going to see Jack Smith go before before Fonnie Willis uh, brings this case. I think I think Fonnie Willis's case is going to be sweeping. I think it's going in addition to all the charges that you talked about. I think it's going to be lots of people. Um, I think you're going to see uh, you're going to see lots of defendants here. And I think it's going to be, you know, a sweeping indictment that focuses on the, the nationwide fake elector scheme that Georgia was one of the, uh, you know, was one of the jurisdictions where it happened with the, you know, find me the 1100, 11,780 votes.
14: Yeah, no, that's where that little bit of competition for justice is going to happen, because we know Jack Smith is looking at the seven battlegrounds. States and the fake electors. And Fawny Willis signaled. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how much dialogue the Department of Justice and Fulton County DA have had, but she's told the world that she's also expanded hers because she's right. Georgia was one of seven places that Donald Trump tried to falsely and fraudulently interfere with the election. He didn't make just one, you know, when we first started the show. You know, I don't mean this show, although this show, <laughs> this show is going on. Uh, when we first started the show, you know, we were always talking about um, the phone call that Donald Trump made to, you know, Brad Raffensperger to talk about, um, you know, can I just find 11,000 votes? It turns out that wasn't the only phone call that Donald Trump made. He made one to Arizona. He made one to Pennsylvania. I mean, Donald Trump violated every rule that he lived his life by that Roy Cohen had taught him. His, his former fixer before Michael Cohen, Roy Cohen told him, don't put anything in writing, don't make any phone calls yourself and use buffers. And he did that his whole life in business. That's why he was ripping up presidential records, you know, to the, to the, uh, to the aghast response of his staff, who, who then scurried to like paste it back together again after he left the room when he was president, because he had always done that when he was in business. He never wrote anything, took that stupid sharpie and would write a one liner on it, but he never made phone calls. He got so desperate. and Thank God he did, because that's the evidence we need to convict him. He got so desperate at the end to stay in power when the reality that to to quote him, I can't believe I lost that guy, that guy being Joe Biden and the proper election. Yeah, you lost. And but he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't accept it started picking up the phone himself, multiple phone calls, some of which got recorded, all of which got noted in some way. This And that's that battle between Fonnie Willis and um, Jack Smith about who's going to do the big, giant, Rico civil case, uh, this sprawling case with witnesses and documents and states involved, him or her. And um, yeah. I think you're right. It, I think it's going to be uh, Jack uh, soon. You, I know you thought last week, I thought this week, maybe next week. But I think it's a July before Funny gets out of the shoot completely a case. And so to answer the question in the, in the chat, what happens to Funny? Funny Willis says hers will be stayed. It'll be abated while it doesn't get. Cancelled out necessarily until the federal case goes forward, and then Phony Wells continues to try her case um, after she after she's reached her indictment. But look, Aaron and I will follow these things the way we have, hopefully meticulously putting together and tying together and painting together all the little dots dots that you know we're discovering. Our fan base, our followers, listeners and audience are following and sending to us. We, we you know, we, we have a lot of dialogue with people that are here on the chat tonight and also, you know, in our own our own um, social media. Uh, you can follow me on all things social media, including threads at MS Karen, I know you're on threads as well. Give your social media handle.
10: I think I'm Karen Agnifilo on threads because you, your handle has to be the same as your Instagram handle. That's how it works. So I don't you're, know. I,
14: you're KFA legal everywhere on, else.
10: On, yeah. On, but on, on
14: threads, you're what?
10: Karen, Karen Agnifilo.
14: Oh, okay. So, you know, we're trying to use threads. <laughs> you know, I'd love to get off of Twitter, but for right now, I would love t- to
10: get off of Twitter too. I, yeah. you
14: we're know,
10: both it's both. funny because people are like, well, I don't understand, you know, you're just going from one, you know, megalomaniac billionaire to another. And I understand the concern and the issue, but, you know, just the hate speech and, you know, other things that uh, that Elon Musk is bringing into Twitter. I do think at least the, at least threads, says they're going to be much more responsible and have a policing function for the hate speech and you know the misinformation so i think for that reason alone i think it's just time for something
14: new and we're all scrambling to try to figure out what's the next thing that's going to be where we what's the reef that all the cool fish can hang out on we don't know what it is yet i mean back when linkedin linkedin is now the dominant business you know social network okay when LinkedIn first came out, I don't know if you remember this, Karen, because you were—you you and I were doing the same thing. There were so many competitors for LinkedIn, and I get all these weird invitations from, J- join me on this one, and join me on And I was like, oh, my God, how many are there? And then LinkedIn leapt to the, leapt to the front, crushed the other ones. Everybody just stayed there. And that's what happened with Twitter. It wasn't that it was the best or greatest with the word limit and the whole thing? It was sort of hokey, but it's where everybody just gravitated to, and it got it got you know uh, um, a center of gravity about it, and everybody just stayed there. We're trying to find the next thing. I'm not here to plug anybody else, but you know, you know, um, uh, Threads just did sign up 150 million people in a week and a half or whatever it is, so. Yes, it is one evil billionaire against another, but that's who owns media companies, except for the Midas Touch Network, which we don't take outside money, which is why we have sponsors. Haven't I rounded that out nicely to end our show?
10: Yes, and you can always find us on YouTube, as Salty just reminded us in the chat.
14: And you can always find us on YouTube for free subscription only on the Midas Touch Network. We've reached the end of another midweek edition of Legal AF. I think we're coming up between the two the two shows on the one the, the one podcast, we're coming up on like 300 in terms of our episodes, it's amazing. Coming into summer season again, but justice doesn't sleep or rest, neither does Ben, neither, neither do I apparently, neither does Karen. So we're gonna keep it coming every week, just like this one at the intersection of law and politics. We are so grateful. For our audience who's been with us through thick and thin, it started thin, it's getting a lot thicker, which is which is good. Shout out the Midas Mighty, the Legal AFers, and Karen, as always. People say, yeah, you're like Ben, though. Sometimes you tell Karen she has the last word, but then you take it back. All right. It's a phrase. <laughs> Get over it. You know how many times Ben's giving me the last word and then goes on for another 25 minutes on some rant? It happens. It's the show. It's the beauty of the show. That's why we like doing it. Karen. A word.
10: <laughs> I have two questions, and then a comment. Okay. Question number one: What was the first date of the first legal AF <gasps> with you and Ben? And is it still available on YouTube?
14: <laughs> well, it depends. Salty's probably scrambling right now. I hear, I hear, I hear fevered fingers on on looking around. I know. I, he just said I am in a chat to me. Um, it depends. It depends on how you define it. We started. Ben and I started something called uh, just terribly named uh legal roundup. It's <laughs> just terrible. It's better than um, raw law. No, it wasn't raw law, trust me. It was legal roundup. Um thank you, Salty. It, April he, 6, twenty
10: twenty, he,
14: he says. It, he dates it as April 6, twenty twenty, which is like people it was it was a pandemic project. Okay. You know, Midas Touch had just started. It had like three thousand People on it. It was so Midas Touch. I'll, I'll tell secrets now. Midas Touch was really a website before it became a podcast and then a YouTube thing. And it had people on it. And they were so, they needed so much content that I used to send videos from New York of, like, random things, and then Brett and the brothers would get it up immediately because they needed content desperately. So I'd be like, look, Super Mario go-karts going down Fifth Avenue because of the pandemic, and they'd be like, Super Mario takes over New York. Or, like, people not wearing masks. Remember when that was a thing in the middle of the pandemic in Washington Square Park? Look at this video, and they'd put it up. Eventually, Ben and I were like, you know, we're lawyers. Maybe we should do something related related to the law and I would do these little whatevers um, we didn't know what they were and then we did legal roundup which was much better on graphics than it was on content because Brett mycellus did the graphics we didn't have salty then and we had 200 and, we had 175 total not I'm not, not thousands we had 175 total views I think our first episode our second one I think was 250 something like that. And um, and now if you and I and Ben don't do half a million, uh, we get we're like, what did we do wrong? (laughs) What is the matter? (laughs) We're we're doing something wrong. I'm like doing something wrong. I was in a closet with, you know, two hundred and fifty four for all I know, cats and dogs watching. And we were high high five. We're like, this is great. That's people I didn't know. They tuned in <laughs> that was the way it worked and then and so, we were like and then as i it. said before we were a special edition once the midas others podcast got popular we were a special edition i have a funny story about the youtube part and and we just started the first 15 episodes was just me special edition with ben on, on the regular wednesday midas touch it was like and we didn't have a name yet and then we did legal af tried legal af which i came up with and then um Funny part is, Brett, I noticed that they the brothers were doing YouTube. I used to get dressed up (laughs) for the podcast until and broke it to me that we were only doing audio. <laughs> I'm like, well, why am I wearing a nice sweater then? Because I don't know. So I, we were only audio, and I was like, well, why are you? Why are the brothers YouTube? Oh, yeah. And I think Brett, Brett thought that it would be better, like I, that I had a face made for for radio, maybe, uh, and maybe Brett and Ben did too. So he was like, no, you guys are doing doing good. Do audio only. We don't need to see what you guys look like. And then we said, well, no, let's try YouTube. And then YouTube took off, and the rest is history. And then you and I met. When was that? Just, when was
10: our first episode?
14: I don't know. Maybe four months later, five months later. I was like, I want to do a, I want to do a longer, as this has become. I want to do a longer version where we can really drill down on things, and we want to get some other voices on here. I think it was like you were like fifty episodes in to the beginning. But you're, you're, you're a founder. I consider, you know, I consider, you're not like the second Darren on Bewitched. You're like you're the first Darren.
10: Second Darren, I'm Oh my god, that's the best ever.
14: <laughs> you're the first Darren. You're not the second. Wait,
10: Darren. what was his? They had they had the same first name, both of
14: them. It was, it was one was Dick York and the other one was Dick Sargent. And don't Dick? ask me how I remember that.
10: Okay, and how I remember that they had the same first name. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> all right, we gotta go. Salt's all right. Fall. We
14: gotta go. We've lost all the audience. Okay, shout out to the mighty the legal Layout, for seeing next week. See you on Saturday with the Saturday edition.